Tune in to the Neil Prenderville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. Okay, very quickly, a lot of the papers this morning are talking about the numbers of refugees that have been coming into Ireland. I'll come back to it in a little bit more detail in a few minutes' time. Uh, one of the issues, though, is that a lot of people originally pledged to uh, house a refugee or indeed maybe one or two more, perhaps a, a family, mother or some children, things like that, have uh, now not followed through with it. So that's why uh, over 50% of pledges for Ukrainian refugees have fallen through, according to the Irish Times, under 200 Refugees have only been put up by the public so far, according to the Mail. Uh, indeed, the Examiner picks up on it today. They've got a lot of statistical evidence to say around 17,000 emails were sent out to those who pledged accommodation, asking those people to confirm their offer. Uh, about 5,000 of the 17,000 responded. And then 1,000 of them withdrew the offer. So it's a number that's been dwindling and dwindling and falling back. Now, I don't know the reasons why they give many of them. I'll come back to them in a few minutes' time. But what I can tell you is that the Mill Street Arena, with a capacity of 320 people, have not been found wanting. They welcomed almost 70 Ukrainian refugees last night. And Noel Buckley's the chairperson with the Mill Street community. Now, he's under a bit of pressure, so I'm jumping to him on the phone straight away this morning. Noel, good morning. Good morning. And they've all, they've all arrived, or at least the, the, the first 70. Will, will you go right up to capacity there, Noel, up to 320? I, I believe that is supposed to be the, uh, to happen, yes. Okay, okay. And what, I mean, they're, all, they're, they're all being got ready, and, you know, that some of them haven't been furthered to, uh, uh, or like that, as yes, which uh, it's being done. Yeah, yeah. And what are, the, what are the facilities? Just explain to us what the facilities are like there for the families. Uh, well, each family has, has has their own unit, and the unit consists of the, either a four bed, a three bed, or a two bed. Depends on the size of the family, of course. And uh, there'll be a little kitchenette, a kitchenette, a companion room after that. And I, I, the, the the meals would be served by a, a professional company. I forget what the names are now. And in the in the in the main dining room, yes, that would be used for the so, use of the shows and etc. Down to the end. Yeah, there's big catering facilities in the, in Mill Street, of course. Right, there is. Yeah. So there are self-contained units. I mean, what what? Because I haven't seen a photograph of what do the structures look like. They're all self-contained units, and they look very well. And they all they all have their own doors, etc. I, I they they they're all carpeted. And they're all the overhead heating. There was some great heat heat there uh, last night. Because last night was cool enough. Yeah. You know, but the, the the heating seemed to be working very well. Yeah, yeah. And were these put in at short notice, or were they always there? They were they were put in within the last six weeks, I suppose. Oh no, they 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 put they put in of late. Yeah, that's yeah. especially because it's, it may it, it will mean that the, the the shows can't be held there this year, etc. You know. I understand that. So those tents that I see, they're, they're not they're all they're not being used for refugees. These are different no, structures entirely. They have nothing at all to do with it. They're the last few years. They're something to do with the shows. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're self-contained units. Some are two-bed, some are three-bed, and some are four-bed with living areas. Uh, But they can't cater for themselves, so the catering is done by Mill Street itself. That is correct, yeah. Gotcha. But they they can plug in the kettle. If if, you... are they are they in are they in need of anything, Noel, with regards to you know clothing or footwear? Or is there a call out for uh, people there, to come and help? There didn't seem to be at the moment, but the, the, the community I won't, won't be found wanting if they, they they will come up with what with, with what they want. They're only waiting to be to be organised and to be asked, etc. Yeah, you know? and, and do you know you know I mean, the, 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 the sorry? Go ahead. 
I think they came in last night and they were after a long journey and uh, the first bus didn't come until 9 o'clock and the second one was, was half of them. Yeah. They were tired, but they were, they were in great form. Yeah. And would that be women and children then? Women and children mainly. There were a few men there as well, yeah. Okay. Women well, and children mainly. Were you very young children? There was a baby there in the midst of all that. And delighted yeah. to have finally arrived to somewhere safe where they can yeah. lay their head down. And and tell me, what, what will happen now with regards to, say, schools or medical facilities or availability of doctors or primary schools? Will all that kick uh, in? Well, it, it's, hope, it's hopefully that all that, hopefully all that will kick in in the street. I mean, there is a community school there, there's a girls' primary school and there's a, a, boys, a boys' primary school. And they, they, they will be making uh, places available, yes. Okay, okay. And, and when do you expect the next number to arrive if 70 are here and there's a 320 capacity? Quite honestly, we don't know because we didn't know the first group were arriving until yesterday morning. Yeah, yeah. Short you know, notice, yeah. Short notice. And the next notice, I presume, will be short as well. And, and in total, then, how many self-contained units will, are actually built there? How many? I don't know. I couldn't give you that number to offer up. How many? But they're all placed. They're all put in there. They're all side by side. Would there I mean, be fifty? Would there be a hundred? Oh, there would be. It'd be hundred over hundred, isn't it? Gotcha, gotcha. And what, what, will, what, 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 what will happen with those after all of this passes? God, I don't know. That would be up to Thomas and Nolsey down in the down in the arena. I mean, Thomas, no in fairness, Thomas Duggan has put in an awful lot of work in, in organising the, the whole thing, etc., etc. Okay. So, did you did know. the Duggans build all the units? The Duggans brought they are all units that are put together. Amazing. They are all come in a lorry and they're all put together. And there's an awful lot of work involved. Okay. And, and are you in a position to trace back who actually pays for all of that then? Well, I presume to the government. The yeah. government pay for that. Pay for that. Yeah, and then would pay Mill Street to house the families, isn't it? That's that's it. Yeah. Gotcha. Like 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 hotels are doing and an emergency that's bed and breakfast and stuff. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But uh, some of these some of these uh, people can walk, of course, and there are jobs available at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. There are jobs available in the Alps. There are jobs available in most of January because they're looking for workers. Fantastic. Some time. Yeah. Fantastic. So there's work available in that greater area around Mill Street that they could well, slip into with their. I would think so. No, yes, there is at the moment. Yes. With their because P- uh, they have a PPS number now as well. Yeah, I think they have. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I mean, they're, I mean, they're hoping. I presume they don't have to stay that long, but we'll never know what's going to happen. You just don't know how long. I got you. You just don't know how long. Okay. All right. Well, the Duggins aren't found wanting. Nor are the people of Mill Street. Thanks so much for taking the call, Noel. Appreciate it. Nope. Take care, Noel Buckley, the chairperson with Mill Street Community Council. So that's uh, where we're at with that. In in, in other related news to, uh, you know, just follow up on the pledges for refugees actually falling through. So more than half of the 24,000 pledges of accommodation for Ukrainian refugees have so far failed to materialise, um, either because the offer has been withdrawn or they can't be contacted, the people who were originally pledging. Maybe they had a change of heart, or maybe when they sat down and thought about it, that it just wasn't logistically prop- possible for various different reasons. So that's a story from the Irish Times this morning with um, uh, the mail picking up actually on the Green Glens Arena, which can accommodate, they're saying, more than 400 people. I'm not quite sure how many 
self-contained units of two bed, three bed and four bed have actually been built and assembled in, in Mill Street. But it shows that in times of crisis that it certainly can be done. And undoubtedly, there will be people saying right now, listening to this conversation, why couldn't things like that have been done all along And for people who are desperate for housing accommodation? But I'm not so sure that that would be an ideal place to live. Mind you, perhaps needs must and uh, maybe people would have been happy enough with a, a self-contained unit like that. It's only one step away really from mobile home parks as being full-time living places and then of course you have you know, the whole American idea of trailer parks and, and what have you. But the withdrawals make all of the papers today. Even one or two of them including the examiner is picking up on what will happen with regards to the children uh, that are coming over here from uh, Ukraine and needing school places. Uh, well over 24,000 PPS numbers have been handed out uh, to to displace people from Ukraine, medical cards as well. And when you break that figure down, as the examiner do, over 3,190 students from the Ukraine have now enrolled in schools, both primary and secondary schools. Um, and uh, it's an interesting statistic when you look at uh, not just children, uh, mothers, or indeed some men, but also pets, with the Irish Times this morning saying that the refugees have brought over 600 pets to Ireland from Ukraine. Uh, and, like, you can kind of understand that. Like, a pet, like a dog particularly. I don't know so much about cats, but a dog is just part of the family. God only knows you wouldn't want to be leaving your own dog behind if you're moving to another country indefinitely. The papers then also today talk about other issues not related to refugees or indeed uh, not related to the crisis in Ukraine. And amongst it is the 600 million euro that the government has managed to find... 600 million of it um, to develop uh, transport corridors and bus corridors and bus connects and new parking rides and zero emission bus fleets and more bus stops and more cycle lanes all across Cork. Um, and it's astonishing that they can find that kind of money uh, for things that really aren't, okay, they're important and you might call them in some ways life-changing, but they're not really up there in the scale of panicky things that we need to do fairly urgently. But there it is nonetheless, 600 million uh, for um, a five-fold increase in bus lanes. Now, the downside to this for motorists down there who are that real enemy, I suppose, of cities, they seem to be the real enemy these days, is that uh, an awful lot more on-street parking uh, will be lost. But God only knows there's very few of that anyway. Teachers also make the papers today. Yesterday it was a case of their uh, unions telling that they're looking for many thousands uh, per teacher to keep up with inflation, um, you know, to keep wages, um, you know, um, uh, at a level that teachers say they need to survive. This morning we're hearing from uh, one or two of the conferences, the ASTI and the TUI, saying that they will not grade their own students. They voted on it apparently yesterday and it's a no to teacher-based assessment. Um, also, the papers talk of something that we dealt with on this show from time to time over the last couple of months, and that is why all um, secondary school students seem to always get shoehorned into college uh, and why more don't go for the trades. There is a, tr- a dreadful shortage of tradespeople in Ireland and this morning Simon Harris in fairness to him says that it's all down to snobbery. He says snobbery is to blame for a shortage of tradespeople um, and that Ireland has a culture of snobbery and it overvalues university education. I just 100% agree with that. I really and truly do. Um, and, you know, the, the big money these days and uh, the really great lifestyle is in the trades. I'm not disputing that you can get a great job or a great career out of college, but it's a bit of a wilderness in college education for young people who really don't know what they're doing or what course they're doing or what they even want to do with their lives. And they're under pressure from their parents and everybody else got to go to college. It's the only thing you got to do. Oh, my God. 
what will everybody think? What, you're a plasterer, you're an electrician, you're a brickie, you're a plumber, you're a carpenter. It's all the people in the trades are having the last laugh. And you know, people in employment then makes the front of the independent because we're a very much a changing nation. And we heard of the story where people will be allowed to request uh, flexible working hours or working from home opportunities. Um, and employers can push back if they feel it doesn't, you know, suit the job. But this morning, the independent on its front page saying, yeah, you can go one step further on that one because employees can then challenge the refusal of time off or the new work-life legislation. And they can challenge it through the Workplace Relations Commission. So that's one that's going to roll on and on, apparently. I'm going to leave it at that. There's some other couple of very interesting colliery stories. One of them is the story you heard on the news this morning with regards to Netflix and as to whether its bubble has burst or not. I'll be coming back to that. And the latest song that has been cancelled. It's been cancelled by the band itself, actually. Just like, say, for instance, Elvis Costello did with Oliver's Army. The latest one is Brown Sugar by the Rolling Stones. So that and lots more besides. I'm just under a little bit of pressure for time. I was going to take a quick phone call across the head of the ad break, if you don't mind. But you can get in touch with the show. Text 0868 Amanda, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you? I'm good. Do you want to just pick up on my conversations there on the arrival of Ukrainian refugees to Mill Street and that kind of thing? Go ahead. That's right, Neil. Um, I pledged accommodation back when not long after the war kicked off um, because myself and my family, we really want to help. Yeah. We've heard absolutely nothing since, you know, for a long time from the Irish Red Cross. And when I was working last week, I missed a call. And when I rang the call, because I was on a business call, and when I rang the number back, it was a generic answering machine from answering message from the Irish Red Cross. Okay. I left a voicemail. So there is no a way to contact the Irish Red Cross back. And they never called back. So it makes me very cross, Neil, that um, they're saying that the people are, you know, reneging on their pledges because there is no follow-up from the Irish Red Cross to families who are willing to take them in. Okay, so if that's happening with you, then it could well be happening with many others who might miss the call. I've heard that it's happening from others as well. But they do say that they sent out, I think I read it out there a few minutes ago, uh, I don't know, like 17 or 18,000 emails I never got an email. I never got an email from anybody. Did you give an email address when you registered? I did, I did because you have to give your email when you register. And also, we, over, I'd say about four or five weeks ago, I was asked, and I don't want to name the person who asked me because I don't want to get anyone in trouble, but I was asked by a person, would I take on um, a, a, a mum and her two little girls? They're staying in the hotel in Chandon. And I said I would. And I heard nothing. Rearranged my house because I don't have a spare bedroom. But what I have is my children are now doubling up to make room for this family. And we did everything. And there was nothing. No, no, no more contact. Okay. Amazing. Yeah, 17,000 emails sent out to so those who pledged. You, and you're sure you checked your spam and everything because they're saying that... I've got nothing. The, no, I rang and I was ringing about that family. I was told from the... Um, I got a, a text message from the community guard to say that it's not them, it's the Irish Red Cross. I contact this person. I contacted that person. He doesn't know why I was, he, I was given their, his number because he only puts them on buses and sends them on. And then he said it's iPass, look at the accommodation. But iPass can't contact them. So there is nobody yeah. to contact. It really him. needs to be expedited, you know. Tell me this, do you, do you have to be guard vetted? You have to be guard vetted as well. And have and you been guard vetted? Now, we have guard vetting in our local soccer club, myself and my husband. 
um, because my husband's on the committee yeah. and you know, we're involved with the children in soccer and I, I did speak to somebody eventually in the Irish Red Cross and I was told that you can't transfer your guard of vetting, that it has to be done, um, a separate guard of vetting has to be done and that they're only starting that this Monday. Okay, so maybe they're not calling you or contacting you because they know you haven't been guarded vetted yet, is it, maybe? I don't know because they what the guy in the head office in Dublin with the Irish Red Cross told me um, last week is that they're start they're only starting the guard vetting this Monday coming. Okay, I'd love to hear from other people who, for instance, have registered with the Red Cross, have not withdrawn any offers, and are ready to take families. In your case, a mother and two little girls, and have not been contacted yet. No, and I also contacted Tusla because I said, you know, I'd go through whatever courses that I take on the unaccompanied minors. Because um, if I could get children around the age of my children, you know, they'd, they'd interact and, you know, better. They'd have company their own age, but they wouldn't just be in the house on their own with nobody their own age. And it is very, very hard to get an answer from anybody. Nobody knows what's happening. Because we've reached capacity, I was reading this morning, with regards to hotels and B&Bs. But yet Ukrainians will continue to come here, but no more hotels and no more B&Bs will be available for them. So it will be down to the community from here on in. But it was down to the community from the beginning and they're just not, and they're, just, they're not ringing people properly. They're not ringing back and they're not giving numbers. They're not giving people a chance okay. to take on families or children or whichever, whoever needs help. Okay. So. And when do you expect to be guard vetted? As you don't know? Oh, I have no idea. Sure. It's down to... It's down to the Irish Red Cross, and then I heard they're bringing in the army. I also know of a man who was willing to, who was willing to take on a family, and he and I spoke to him, and he went to the guards himself and said, "I want to look after. I want to take on two adults." He was adamant that it was going to be two adults and one or two children. He had the room for four. Yeah, four of them. And he asked the guards. He said, "Will you know? Can I start the guard vetting so I'm ready? Because I want to take somebody on now." His like he, he says, "You've one chance in life to do it's not the right thing, and this is my chance." And the guards told them it had nothing to do with them. They're not doing the guard vetting. They say in the Times this morning um, that up to 33,000 people will be seeking accommodation by the end of next month. And they're saying the way things are now, that people could be waiting for weeks before receiving accommodation unless thousands more beds are sourced. And yet you are a typical example of someone who's ready and waiting um, and just can't get across. There's loads of people out there willing and able and Mr. Call. And there's no way to contact back. Was there a voicemail left? No, that's what I said. There was no message. There was no voicemail. There was no message to say, you know, sorry, we missed you. Can you please contact us? You're okay. still willing to, you know, pledge your accommodation, ring this number. Oh, my God. All nothing. Right. Okay. Absolutely nothing. Okay, will you stay in touch with me, Amanda? Let me know how this one rolls out. I will, of course. Okay, no have a good day. Thank you. Back after the break, text 0868104106. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818104106. Red FM. Okay, incidentally, uh, there's another issue with regards to expediting systems that I'm kind of half interested in. I'm wondering if other people are experiencing this. How many people um, got their booster shot, right? Your third shot. Um, and so in some cases back in November of December or December of last year, as far back as then. But how many have got their booster shot, their third one, which you need to travel, you know, and that needs to be updated onto your COVID cert and your QR code. Uh, but I'm hearing of people who have not got their uh, updated uh, COVID cert or the QR code that you would need for travel. And now they're having difficulty 
um, trying to book a holiday because you will need it to travel to many countries because you'll be able to need to be able to show that. Uh, there are some one or two countries actually where you still need a negative PCR, including America. But how many people have actually had their uh, booster shot but still haven't got their updated certs? Um, it's something that I heard about over the weekend. I'd like to hear if that is a big issue uh, on Lee side. So if you're one of those, please do get in touch. Text 0868104106. I want to, th- I want to say thank you uh, to uh, Siobhan. Uh, from Apple, who uh, emailed me last week, and I didn't get an opportunity to read it. Uh, It's a powerful email, though, from an Apple employee, and while she's not talking on behalf of Apple in any way, shape, or form up in Holly Hill, she is observing life up there, and she says, I hope that you can please review the footage and the photographs have compiled below. And she sent me a lot of photographs. Tell me more about that in a minute. She says, firstly, Neil uh, at Red FM, thank you for highlighting what is happening in the Holly Hill and Knocknahini area of Cork City on your show. You're one of the very few that are willing to shine a light on what the residents and workers uh, experience on a day-to-day basis. She says, I work in Apple headquarters in Holly Hill. And since returning from remote working during COVID, the animal abuse and neglect that we see on a daily basis is absolutely appalling. We are calling for an investigation into what is happening in the area and the particular park in the area and the surrounding areas. We're getting no support on this. TDs, Gardaí, Cork City Council, the ISPCA, Department of Agriculture are all more than happy to pass the book. It appears that nobody wants to touch this subject, which is very strange. We had a discussion on this the other day in the workplace, and there are countless team members that have contacted Gronoborough Garda Station. When I say team members, now people working in Apple, who have contacted Gronoborough Garda Station in relation to sulky racing and children abusing horses in plain sight of the public, along with the endless amounts of dogs that are usually running after the horses in a pack. I can tell you it's like the Wild West, and youths are left to their own devices with no repercussions. There are also incidents of small foals and little Shetland ponies being ridden by more than two children at a time, always being excessively whipped. You will see from the photographs of Sencha taken down around the Harbourview Road area, the same estate as the recent cat attack you spoke about where three youths are visibly whipping a young Shetland pony attached to the sulky. The same group of youths that set the lurchers at a local elderly woman's cat that you spoke of. They have done so to local dogs and other cats in the area and they have also been killed. Uh, you will see these owners commenting on other events in the boys and girls of Naka. The owner of the cat has CCTV footage, which clearly identifies those responsible. The dogs from the estate often roam in the Apple campus in search of food and are in a clear state of neglect. At work, we have witnessed sulkies overturning on the bend at speed and injuring the horses and then being forced to continue while the horses are visibly hurt. We're coming together to highlight this with Apple Head Office to see if they can assist in campaigning to have this investigated further by local authorities and those in government so we don't have to witness these events while trying to work at Apple, especially with the summer weather approaching where it becomes unbearable to see what's inflicted on the animals in this area. It's seriously affecting the mental health of the Apple team. These incidents have often stopped us from being able to walk in the area at lunch, enjoy the sunshine, which is a right to any person. What we have witnessed is beyond what anybody should have to endure while trying to work for one of the most innovative and successful companies in the world. It's outrageous. Um, What we find difficult to understand, and from other locals, 
um, is why Gronoborough Garda Station do not attend any of these animal cruelty calls. They've advised in the past that it's the heritage and the culture of the people and that they will be not, they will not be attending. Well, I cannot see how animal abuse, cruelty and neglect can overwrite the laws of Ireland. It's certainly not in any of the employees' heritage or culture here at Apple to witness animal neglect, cruelty and abuse while we try to work. There should be an investigation into the Garda station as they always are more than willing to turn a blind eye to this. When you do call, they're often abrupt, rude or frustrated at your phone call. What choice do we have but to ask the Gardaí to enforce the laws? It will be interesting to see how many animal abuse calls this particular station in Gran has received in the past six months and how many resulted in Garda presence or the animals involved being confiscated or impounded, rescued, I would say. I'd hazard a guess that it's a minuscule amount. There is no CC- CSPCA inspector in Cork. There is no ISPCA inspector in Cork. Um, there's no dog warden available after 5pm or the weekends. The Gardaí advise that they do not do horse calls and to contact a charity. Contact the horse charities is a phrase the Gronabroher guards use far too often. Sent you the photographs of what we regularly see in the area travelling to and from these places of work. All of these animals, I believe, belong to St. Anthony's Park. A dog warden, vet, inspector and law enforcement is needed to go and identify the animals, check for dog licences, check for horse, horse pa- passports and microchips. They need to be removed and, re- and rescued from these conditions immediately. Uh, this has gone on far too long. We're hopeful that Apple, who value mental health for their employees and are planning a large expansion in the area, will support us. Disappointed that local authorities will not. The expansion is the time to clean up this area once and for all. It's a familiar sight in the area, as far down as Fair Hill, to see horses roaming free in the council estates and on soccer pitches. That's a kind of an edited version um, of a much lengthier email from Siobhan that is also accompanied by endless photographs, um, a lot of it from Google Street View. Um, one of them says, this is just a foal that's being written. Uh, another one then uh, is uh, different images taken far back as October of last year, right up until recently, of many sulkies and what looked like very distressed, emaciated dogs. I mean, very distressed and emaciated dogs and lots and lots of sulkies. A dog um, responded to Siobhan's email by saying, well done on an excellent and comprehensive email. Dog Cork fully supports you. We are equally frustrated with the lack of support and interest in animal welfare in Ireland. But we feel powerless when we receive countless reports of cruelty. It is distressing and upsetting. And that is from an Apple employee who, from my understanding, is talking on behalf of many Apple employees up on the north side who have just had enough of witnessing and looking on as they work at animal abuse uh, in the area around where they work. You can text on that. Text 0868104106. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818104106. Cork's Red FM. Yes, indeed. You can text 0868104106. Big conversation yesterday with regards to uh, drug issues and drug addictions on Side and the proposed, whenever it will happen, injection centre in Cork. Mind you, um, this is an interesting text. It says, uh, w- when politicians talk like this, it's just more waffles. City Council can't even get a public toilet sorted or a convention centre and they sold the custom house because nobody could come up with an idea what to use it for. Um, what the hell would we believe anything they say? 
with regards to an injection centre anytime soon. That's just one of lots. Um, and yesterday, a very interesting conversation with Dr. Sharon Lambert on air. She's a psychologist at UCC and she said many different things. One that I think we all need to remember is stop using the word junkie when we refer to people with really bad addiction issues, particularly heroin, uh, because it is an illness, it's a disease, it is an addiction, and you wouldn't say the same, and you wouldn't call somebody with a mental health issue, for instance, a name like that. Um, Also, they're everybody's son or daughter, brother or sister. So maybe the J word should be expunged from the dictionary from here on. Your thoughts on that are welcome. Good friend of the show and a personal good friend of mine is Willie O'Brien. He's the owner of the spa on McCurtain Street, and he joins me by phone. He actually lives over the shop as well. Willie, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm good. And you lovely have a... Here again. We've spoken twice in the one week. Well, it's so lovely to bump into you last <laughs> week. Because I'll tell you something. Likewise, likewise, I bumped likewise, into you last likewise, week absolutely. and I was up on McCurtain and it was buzzing. I mean, it was just a great... Well, just hopping. Thank God, yes. And long may, as I said to you, uh, every day I go now around through the west end of London where you've, it's the theatres, the restaurants, the bars yeah. and, and people are just out to have a nice time. You, and you can feel that vibe. That, it is that, that like the west end it's or it's like Broadway. Absolutely. What are the downsides then? Because... Because you're you're working, your business is there, Wonderful. a thriving business. Yes. over I, the shop. As you've already mentioned, I, I I work and I live here as well. And one of the big things is that, of course, you know, people draw a crowd, and it brings a lot of people who are down and out. And I liked actually very much what your 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 friend yesterday said about you know we shouldn't refer to them as junkies and whatever the case may be. Because yeah. I'm reminded, there's one. Um, at Christmas, actually, Oh Holy Night is one hymn that always gets me, that always brings a, a kind of a, an apple to my throat, it gives a tear to my eye, because there's one line in that says, the slave is my brother. And every day when I walk out the door here, um, I see, in a sense, the slave, and I've got to remind myself saying that this is another human being as yeah, well. Yeah. Um, many of the people that we see lying in the street <clears throat> are people who probably have been affected by some, you know, some event in life, some trauma, whatever the case may be. So therefore, it's not right to, to write them off. And to speak condescendingly about them. Correct. However, uh, one of the things that I do, that I do feel very strongly about is in relation to people giving them money. Um, this is something we should not do. Why um, do you say that? Because we're supporting a system. A lot of them don't have. Yeah, but a lot of them don't have a, a permanent address. So on that basis. You know, some of them don't, no, don't get any welfare. We're not living in a third world country. It can be, it can be done. Yeah. We're not living in a third world country. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Our real poor actually are behind closed doors. Um, people sitting on the street are probably people who have some um, degree of trauma in their lives and there's a reason why they're there. Mm. And by giving them money, you're actually supporting addiction or, or whatever the case may be. <clears throat> and, and, and I feel very strongly about it. Because I see it in the day. I'm here 20 years next month. Yeah. And I see it every day. Yeah. yeah. That people are every generous day. to people who are on the streets. Oh, they are. And, and, and you know, I, I think sometimes, Neil, that there are two types of intelligence. There's emotional intelligence and there's rational intelligence. And sometimes we're moved by our hearts. We're moved by our, by our feelings uh, because we feel sorry for them. But, you know, in many cases, they don't want the money. The money isn't for, for food. The yeah. money is not for, for, for um, to get a place to stay for a night. Yeah. The money yeah. Is, is for addiction. And did you on one occasion actually say it to some lady who was... Passing on some yes, money. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. You know, to see, you know, you, I must <clears throat> emphasise the fact that this is my where I live. Yeah. This is my home. And I'm probably one of the very few business people that actually lives over their business in the city. Mm. Um, I came down the, street, the stairs one day and I came out the front door and there was a woman giving money to a guy outside sitting on the street who was a regular. And I said to her, would you please not do that? You know, you're actually supporting addiction. And she ate the face of me. And I said to her, you know, you're such a kind person, you're so generous. I said, why don't you take the person home with you? 
Why don't you take them home and give them a bed? So it's fine to have them outside my door, yeah. but it's not good enough to have them outside your door. Yeah. You know, yeah. where are you coming from? Yeah. You know, or also, we've had the situation here, um, as you know, it's a shop, and we're opposite the Metropole Hotel, which I, <laughs> I love that hotel, but the, sometimes you'd maybe guests sitting inside the window and maybe you know, a down note comes down the street, falls down, collapses, wherever the case may be. And we've had situations where people come across the road and, and, and attack the staff, a staff by saying to them, you know, do you know, did you, did you call somebody? Did you do something? And one of my people one day said to the, the person who, who was kind of complaining, I said, I didn't even see them. I'm at work. And uh, Did you do something about it? Yeah, this would know, be a tourist like, who would interject, like... So somebody staying in the hotel would see from the window and come across and say... Well, yes, they would. Yeah. Of course, they're relaxing. They're, they have all the time in the world to see you, whereas the person at work may not, may not necessarily have the time to see, you know, what's happening on the street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you have much guard of presence up and down the street? I... You know, the first thing we do is we, we, we complain about the Gardaí. Let's face it, there's 26 counties. There's 14,000 Gardaí, well, 14,500 or so many, um, but, but they give so many tied up in office duty and so many suspended, whatever the case may be. Um, like, divide that over 26 counties by three ships a day, you're looking at, what, 179 Gardaí per county mm. at mm. any one time. Is that all? No, I, I, don't, I don't blame the Gardaí. No, if you divide, 14, say, 14,000 by the 26 counties, and there's three ships a day, mm. and, of course, not including, say, people have days off or people run well, whatever the case may be, um, I, I don't blame the Gardaí. No, I know that, but no, do, no. do you ever see them walking the beat? If I'm to be honest, from time to time, but not as much as they should be. Yeah. No. Yeah. And we that's, need more Gardaí. Yeah, and that's <clears> down to a shortage of Gardaí, you think? Definitely. Yes, there is a huge shortage. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not condemning them in any way, by no means. Um, uh, it's a shortage more than anything else. I'm just curious yeah, we, as we to... Uh, uh, more and I think presence... And the other thing, the big thing that I have is that please do not give them money. Please do not support addiction. What should they give? Should they give food? No. Um, why not give a euro a week to maybe the Simon community or to, to um, you know, Penny Dinner or something like that who are providing a service? You see, we can't be 100% sure every time that somebody gives money to somebody who's homeless or on the streets that they will actually use it for for drugs because the, the people that I would engage with or, or chat with are trying to get the price of, uh, of, a, of a hostel or a, a B&B or what have you together. I'm here 20 years, Neil. They all say that. Do they? Sorry. Yes. Uh, uh, you're referred to a hostel. You don't believe I have offered. Yeah. I have gone out. Yes, no, 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 no. And I'm very strong on this. I have offered to pay for hostels. I have taken people over to buses and offered to give them the, the pay for the, the, the price of the trip home. Christ. But when I get there, it's a different story. Yeah, I know, I know. That's not what they want. I'm sorry, I've walked the walk. It's sad, isn't it? It's sad. Yes, it is. And I, I actually, as we're speaking, one thing that I would actually ask for, if it's possible, I think it's in relation to something that, that, that um, the person from Penny Dinner is, Catherine? Kat- Katrina Toomey, um, yeah. Yes, Katrina Toomey has asked for yesterday. Um, it, it, there's a joint, a joint support system is needed. So I would say that would say the social services, the business community, the Simon community, the the council, um, rehab services, the HSE, whatever, should have a collective, um, a joint body put together to kind of address this issue. If do do the businesses in the area? Do the businesses in the area also get? Uh, you know, I was going to say a lot of grief from people coming in looking for money or for food or. Yes, yes. There's the, the, yeah, there can be hassle, and and the, the, the unfortunate thing is that in recent times there's a new generation. Like the, there are waves of 
people who are down and out who come onto the street and, you know, I don't know, they die or they, whatever happens, they, something happens and then a new generation come on. But the, the newer ones are more aggressive, um, definitely. Right. Aggressive are are they that, they're uh, more aggressive? Are they younger as well, I think? Yes, they're younger and more aggressive. Um, and that, that, so, therefore, maybe not necessarily be alcohol, it could be drug or whatever the case may be, Would, but they're definitely more aggressive. And are you I saying that some of them are threatening to staff and things? Yes, yes, I've had a huge issue, especially during lockdown. Um, most places were closed in the city, and we were one of the places that remained open. Yeah. And as a result, many of the people who were down and out um, didn't have um, places to go, so they ended up coming in here. And certainly it had a huge impact on, on, on my people. Okay, and, and, okay. And, um, would you also see? Um, uh, would you also see? I get a lot of texts and conversations with people who see open drug dealing and drug use. Um, yes, I've seen it on the street myself. But hence, as I said to the woman, who when I came out, out of the door and I said to her, "Please don't give him money," because I have seen that person sitting beside my door um, 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 exchanging drugs. I've seen this. I've seen this here in uh, in the business. People do it. I was told one day, "Keep away." Um, we'll be gone in a minute. While they're doing deals, is it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Take it over the socks. We've and seen it all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and have I you seen drug? Me. Have you seen drug use as well? Yes, people inject themselves. Yeah. In fact, I had a guy here recently. Um, uh, <laughs> I leave with a company in relation to refrigeration and that kind of stuff. And um, they were from Kerry, and he was a young fellow, but he just didn't. It wasn't his experience of life. But he actually um, he stepped over a fella in injecting himself in the foot. And uh, he said, I couldn't believe it. And I said, I bet you that guy didn't even see you. And he said, no, he didn't. And I said, that's because he was so focused on what he wanted to do to get that drug into his system. And was that on the path on McCartan Street, yeah? Yes. It's become so commonplace, isn't it? You just become almost, you yes. don't notice it anymore. It is. And I know you have, to have something on there not too long ago, I think I'd heard, but... Um, um, the, the, was it on the Monday morning or something in relation to... Um, there was, was it seven people who identified as being... Um, buying drugs here in the street on a Monday morning. That's right. Well, you know, pick, unfortunately, it is pick an any issue, day. yes, unfortunately. Yeah. And, and yeah. is, is McCurtain Street kind of a victim of its own success to an extent, that it is a thriving street see, again? People, people follow the crowd. We follow the crowd. We all do. Uh, and and um, yes, the place is doing it very, very well. And now, listen, hold on. It's not to say that here is worse than anywhere else. Well, no, we're not. I mean, it's happening everywhere yeah. over the city. It, it's happening, you know, in many different places, like you were saying yesterday, behind some church outside in Wilton, I think. Or, yes, um, yeah, 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 yeah that's mean? right, it, yeah, the Marley. Uh, uh, you know what I mean? It's, it's not just here. It's everywhere. But it's much more obvious now. That's the difference. Much more obvious, and there is a <clears throat> there's a huge need for for a um, some kind of a forum or some group to get together and address the issue. But in particular, I would implore, I beg, I ask people, please do not give money to people begging on the street. That's your main message. You know, Neil, 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 oh, absolutely, Neil. You you you've had that on the program before, uh, in relation to um, you know they, they were getting money and sending it abroad. You know what I mean? They weren't homes at all. That that was a kind of a a scam. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean, you've had the situation before on, on, on the program, yeah. um, and it's the same way. Please do not support a system because by giving them money, you may think you're kind of under Teresa for five minutes, but you're actually not. You're actually supporting. The you, you actually are supporting the drug trade, unbeknownst to yourself, Absolutely. really, aren't you? because you've been tra- that money gets traced right thing, back to doing. dealers and bigger so with dealers. Your good and intention, yeah. With your good intention, you feel you're doing good, but actually you're not. You're actually supporting a system, okay. Okay. and part of the reason why we have people sitting on our streets is because of us ourselves. We must, we must point the finger at ourselves first. Okay. But I would implore people, you know, if you want to do something good, give a euro a week to pay dinners, give it to the Simon community, give it whatever the case may be. 
Okay. So you know it's going to support somebody. Listen, thanks for taking the call. Food for thought for all of us. Thank you, Willie. Have a good Have day today. Mind yourself. You too. Take care. One of the great guys, Willie O'Brien from the Spire on McCurtain Street. Your thoughts on that are welcome. Text 0868104106. Covered a lot of ground with him, but his main message, do not give money to people who are looking for money on the streets. You're only feeding a drug habit and also feeding drug dealers and the money can be all traced back to the big drug cartels. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818-104-106. Red FM. I was mentioning Simon Harris saying that uh, the reason that many kids now are teenagers or young people aren't going into the trades is because of snobbery. That it's, um, you know, ooh, you have to go to college, you have to have a college education. And Simon Harris is saying it's about snobbery. And Anthony correctly um, reminds us who stopped all the apprenticeships. Only Simon Harris's own party uh, on the on addictions in our streets and as Willie says it's getting worse they're getting younger and indeed more aggressive and giving money isn't helping matters don't give on my di- these are just different ones uh, the needle exchange program was a clear total failure otherwise our streets and parks wouldn't be littered with used syringes the methadone program was intended to be a temporary aid for the withdrawal of heroin there are people on it for decades or more. That, like the needle exchange, is also a total failure. I have absolutely no confidence that the injection centre will make any difference, says Tony. We need rehab centres, Neil, not injection centres, says Sam. Ah, come on, the Lord Mayor hasn't a clue. He's so disconnected with reality, it's unreal. Would we not try and look for funding for the homeless people in Cork instead of uh, injection centre rubbish? No one who takes heroin deserves anybody's sympathy. No one forced that first needle into our, their arms. Fianna Fáil are done with the likes of him. Um, well, you know what? There was a lot of conversations actually yesterday saying, yeah, nobody forced the first needle into somebody's arm. But unfortunately, a lot of them found themselves in the wrong place at the wrong time in circumstances uh, that they may not have been in control of or they could have been very, very down. It might be mental health issues or depression or other addictions that led to them uh, forcing the first needle into their arm or whatever the case may be. Ask uh, the Lord Mayor if he will campaign to put the injection centre in his own community. He's so enthusiastic about them. Can you ask the Lord Mayor why it's okay for him to see someone shooting up and not report them or arrest them if he saw that from his office in City Hall? Yet someone caught smoking a joint would be arrested. Uh, Love the show. Uh, Injection centres, the most disgusting thing I've ever heard. So they won't be seen on our streets. Uh, That's the reason they want an injection centre. Get them off the streets to pretend the problem is not happening. Do people speak to these addicts at all? I'm sure mental health facilities and rehab for these people would be a better option. It's like saying injecting heroin is fine. Come to this lovely safe place and shoot up. It's not right. It's not okay. Imagine what's going to bring, what it will bring to the area where it's situated. Uh, what about the old Cork prison as a centre for this, Neil? Uh, another one. We haven't enough doctors in the hospitals. They want doctors for drug addicts in an injection centre. Where will they find them? Uh, And there's many more. Could you please ask how these addicts actually started? I mean, where did each person get the first fix from? If we can find this out, we can start at that point. For instance, is it a party setting? Was it at a work setting? Or even a sporting setting? There has to be a starting point for this to begin in the first place, says Billy M. I'm so angry listening to all this investment in injection centres and rehab centres. This is spoken about at the time where genuine taxpaying people in this country are being asked to stay away from A&Es because you won't be seen. Or if you do, it's like a third world country sitting in the CUH at present. Millions of euro are being invested in drug user services um, and again 
even mental health services for the rest of the community are turning people away. Uh, do you want, well, there's the J word, do you want addicts in the city or shoppers? It's not rocket science. I think that's a text that would be in favour of an injection centre, I'd imagine. The majority of users in the city or go into the city uh, to us, so it would make sense for such a facility to be situated in the city. There's plenty of vacant buildings around, and I'm sure one could be easily repurposed. That's just a selection. There are many more. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106, and we're back after 10. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from 4 for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features, and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from 4. Dave Max Drive. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Yes, indeed. And the seasons are changing, of course. And uh, before you know it, we'll be into summertime. Schools will be back next week. They'll have a bit of a run then into the summer break, of course. And a lot of people, uh, actually, it's very interesting. Well, to me, it's interesting. Maybe it's just my life. Maybe others don't find it interesting. You ever think about, you know, trying to get gifts for somebody whose birthday is coming up? And particularly for, for my dad, uh, you know, usually it's a, a bit of clothes or... Uh, a jumper, a pair of trousers or a shirt or something, that's fine. Uh, but you often think, like, why, why would you do that's different, you know, maybe a bit more interesting. Um, and I was in Hanley's in the garden centre yesterday, uh, just doing a bit of pottering around, you know, the way you do for, for the garden and stuff like that. And I saw this lemon tree, a lemon tree, about maybe two, two and a half, maybe three feet high in a pot. And I thought, wow, that would be a fantastic birthday present. It's something quite different, isn't it? I mean, I suppose you could get a lime tree as well, and we all know about apple trees, but lemon trees, particularly if you have... So I bought it, I don't know what it was, you know, 69 euro or something like that, and I got the little bottle of lemon fee to go with it, and he was absolutely delighted with it. In fact, the lemon tree had three fully grown lemons on it, and then at the back of it had maybe three or four little green ones, the colour of lime, so much younger lemons. But with a bit of heat, apparently, particularly if you have a conservatory or an area that gets a bit of warmth and a bit of south-facing sun, I think a lemon tree would absolutely thrive. I just thought it might, you know, might be something you might be interested in as we head into the spring. Uh, sorry, from the spring into into the summer. Maybe a bit of fruit, particularly if you like a bottle of beer. You squeeze a slice of lemon into it or maybe into a gin and tonic. Why not grow your own lemons? Just a thought. Text 0868104106. I mentioned one or two other stories from this morning. What's the story with Netflix? One of the reasons they're saying that, um, you know, numbers are dropping and apparently millions have switched off is because there's 100 million people around the world who are watching Netflix for free by using the accounts of family members or friends. I think you can have... Can you have up to four different people watching your Netflix account? And that could be four different households or four different people in different parts of the world. Also, of course, I suppose some of the numbers in the drop of Netflix is to do with the fact that uh, maybe people find it boring. Uh, others maybe are back to work, aren't spending as much time. Others really can no longer afford to pay subscriptions like Netflix or Amazon Prime or Disney or Apple or now television. And they're all turning off. But um, they've got a problem by all accounts, um, 100 million uh, who watch it for free and many more then, of course, switching off. But they were looking at the top 10 most watched things on Netflix um, and uh, the cost to Netflix to make them. Squid Game Series 1 uh, cost 19 million uh, to make. So that if you looked at the top 10, Squid, Squid Games 1, Bridgerton Series 1 and 2, Money Heist, Stranger Things, All of Us Are Dead, The Witcher Series, Inventing Anna, 13 Reasons Why, and The Witcher Series 2. 
So you've added all of those up, which I haven't actually done. You could be talking about half a billion cost to Netflix to make all of those shows. Uh, but yet, um, people are turning off and they're losing hundreds of millions. It's an interesting one. I'd also mentioned uh, Brown Sugar's been bin, binned, binned or banned by Jagger and the Stones themselves because the lyrics just aren't appropriate to say anymore and it's time to park Brown Sugar. Apparently, some of the lyrics in Brian Brown Sugar include the depiction of non-consensual sex with a slave, as in the term brown sugar. So they're not performing that anymore. And we heard that um, Elvis Costello has said the same about Oliver's Army. So I was reading that in the paper this morning uh, and I just uh, got the lads to come up with a list of other songs that were banned or censored in the past. And the BBC were demons uh, for banning songs. They really and truly were. Like Frankie Goes to Hollywood, Relax was banned very much. And you had disc jockeys like on Radio 1 and the BBC um, refusing to play it. Um, and then there was other ones that we know of Elvis Costello's Oliver's Army. Even Abba's Waterloo came in for a lot of grief. Not back in 1974, but years later, during the Gulf War, the BBC banned it, along with another 66 songs, because they said that Waterloo uh, could be in some way connected to armies and fighting and killing. And there was a lot of stuff going on in the Middle East at the time. Other ones, Queen, I Want to Break Free, banned back in the 80s and an awful lot of radio stations in America, um, where they, Brian May actually recalled that radio programmers were saying, we can't possibly play I Want to Break Break Free because it looks homosexual. Um, That song did a lot of damage to Queen in America, incidentally, because they were dressed in drag in the house, going around with the Hoovers and cleaning places, and America wasn't ready for it in the 80s. Uh, Other ones, uh, Van Morrison's Brown Eyed Girl, also banned, and many radio stations refused to play that because it referenced, this is back in 1967, I'll bear in mind, because there was a line in it called Making Love in the Green Grass, Um, but they had an edited version released years later that changed that to Laughing and a running, hey, hey, hey. Phil Collins in the air tonight got banned because uh, many people were very, very worried about it during the Persian Gulf. And, uh, you know, they, they had like Clear, Clear Channel in America um, took 162 songs off, off the air, including that one after the 9-11 attacks. The Kinks Lola was banned uh, because it had commercialism in it, referencing the word Coca-Cola in the lyrics, Dean Friedman's song, I'm in love with the McDonald's girl, was banned by the BBC because of commercialism as well. And we all know about Fairy Tale of New York. And just finally, the Bangles walked like an Egyptian in the mid 80s, got banned by radio stations both in the UK and America because it was deemed that it would be offending those who were Egyptian uh, or it was referencing conflict in the Middle East. So brown sugar ain't alone. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. So many people talking. Thank you so much to everybody that contacts us, a lot of them by text. We were talking yesterday about addictions and the injection center. I want to stay with that for a little while regarding addictions because one of our callers yesterday morning was saying it's so important to always be there for your children, even uh, when they pass 18 or deemed to be adults. Uh, please don't give up my details, but my own dad walked away from me when I was 27 because I didn't have particular people as bridesmaids at my wedding. It breaks my heart listening to these families trying to help their children struggling with addictions. I too believe parents should be there until the end of their kids' lives or theirs, no matter what the situation. 
My issues with my dad still have not been resolved all these years later. I have two children myself now and I would die for them. Some people just aren't cut out to be parents and that's the truth of it. With regards then to general text then and addictions and issues like that, um, Actually, you remember we were saying yesterday on Chap on the Air with me was talking about the fact that uh, we will never, ever get serious about drugs because everybody in this country is just a hypocrite because so many people themselves are using drugs. Now, it may not be heroin, but certainly uh, cocaine and certainly other drugs like that. But cocaine is everywhere. Uh, and if everybody were tested, um, uh, it might make a difference in the workplace to begin with. They got me asking then whether who was being tested in the private or the public sector. The army get tested for drugs, Neil. In other one, the army and the navy are the only workers tested regularly in Ireland. In Australia, con- construction sites and the fly-in, fly-out contractors There are drug and drink testing regularly. Two strikes and you're gone. And your name flashes up in lights from then onwards, as in you'd never get a job. And so regular testing on construction sites in Australia. Uh, I was in a buddy's pub. I went into the back of the bar to help him. And I saw a fella doing coke in the back on the camera. I went out and kicked him out so fast, says Mike. Finally, somebody's talking a bit of sense. Well said to Jim. We need more people like you. He was saying, Jim, yesterday that everybody's on it. So many people are on coke and it's in every walk of life. It's just hypocritical. I agree with Dr. Sharon Lambert. Drug dependency is a health issue, not a criminal issue. Nobody chooses to live like this. The injection centres would also provide counsellors to help people deal with whatever issues they are battling with that led to their addiction. Good point from Michael Cronin. Uh, Oh, yes, indeed. I see how it's going to play out. Next year, it will be easier to burn heroin than turf in Cork. One or two more regarding violence on our streets. I just heard you on the radio yesterday about assault assaults that people have on a night out, witness or it might happen to them. I was on a college night out about two years ago, standing around with my friends inside the pub, minding my own business, and got a bottle over the head. I got no help and had to walk down to the mercy and never heard any more of it again. It's dangerous out there and everyone is just getting away with it. Uh, If you saw the news yesterday, Neil, about the guy who robbed two Ukrainian refugees' cars in Dublin, you spoke to them on air. Um, That guy came out of court giving the finger to the media and laughing. Why are they not remanded to custody? Thank you for those texts to 0868104106. Incidentally, um, some months back, Seamus... Uh, did a very interesting piece with um, Bernard O'Hare, the uh, campaigner for the homeless on the streets of Cork. I want to play that for you um, because Anderson's Key, which is right next to Simon and that area around Simon, the back of the hotel there, is one of the main um, shooting galleries, as they call it. And it's a very disturbing uh, heroin hotspot for addicts shooting up in broad daylight. Uh, And they met uh, on McCartan Street, um, as in Seamus, and Bernard on one of the number of well-known spots for drug dealing. And we heard that from Willie at the spa shop in McCurtain Street a while ago. Towards the end of this audio, uh, you will hear Seamus speaking to a person uh, seen in in the doorway, helping addicts to shoot up. Uh, But he was helping them to shoot up, but he was denying that he was a dealer. He was just helping them. So I'm, I'm explaining this now because it won't be apparent in the audio at the end otherwise. And you'll also hear the guy uh, chatting with the main dealer that he had settled a score uh, that they owed another person, things like that, paying for, you know, drug debts and paying for uh, drug deals. Um, so this is the audio. Um, and this is literally, like, this was some months back. So that's the way it was then. But I imagine it must be considerably worse now. We're just on McCartan Street. 
and uh, there's a post office here where most mornings here and especially Monday mornings you'd see a lot of the guys from the hostels and on the street affect their social welfare and then what you'll also see is different groupings criminal groupings as well involved in the tr- drug trade heroin etc that um, are waiting for them to collect their doll and they're either taking it off them for money that they've owed and accumulate kind of uh, tickets they call it uh, but it's a very tragic sight right when you see so many people waiting around and the drugs been sold and is this where a lot of them would start shooting up at the normal spots believe it or not we can go over there and have a look now by the Simon no it's in around where they're staying and uh, that's caps the caps off the needles yeah that's the spoon over in the corner as you see the swab the wipe yeah. And then of course there's human feces there and everything. And someone will actually bed down there tonight, you know. More than likely, or even at some stage. We're looking there now, another spoon there to the left. You have to be very, very careful around here for slipping on needles. Go around the other side in a second. Oh, oh there's a needle there, look, see? Yeah. It's not even capped. No. What I don't get, and what I don't understand about it all is, how can you handle all these cities, uh, safe injections? safe injecting so on and so forth right and it's in for years through the hostel been in the hostel yourself where they hand out the equipment for it right where do you think they're going to put all these they don't have needle bins around the place if it's such a big city and all the chemists and, and the hostels as well do it right give them out the needles all the paraphernalia but yet when they're dumped all around the place where's the contingency plan is that the right word to, to deal with the litter with drug paraphernalia litter the same as when in the, in the hostels you can you can, sh- nonsense, you can shoot up, but the needle bins there, right? But if they don't put the cap on it straight away, then they're, they're sanctioned. They're the kinds that we saw up in the curtain street. But that's what they'll do now, they'll go around their little groups. Like, oh, I know it's probably coming to the while they're doing the other ones. Do you get me? Yeah. And if you see yourself, you know what's going on in the doorway over there. They're waiting at the corner outside of the hospital. Oh, sorry. They're waiting at the corner outside of the hospital. And go over into the doorway and get the stuff in. You know, that's going to be repeated quite a number of times during the day, you know? Yeah. So, But, like, we saw them up in McCartan Street, but I think we probably spoke to them because they were there at the laneway, so there wasn't right. much going down there, so yeah. they probably decided to, I suppose... Move along. Move along and, and, and do their normal their normal route. A little bit down or something. You see, that's the thing. They'll have that all set up before they even come out to get me, because, yeah. like, they're, yeah, they're selling whatever, but they'll still have to sort of stay one step ahead of the guards. And is that heroin now that they're dealing over? And tablets. They should smoke the, the funky as well, the one well, the incense. But um, the thing is, they're, what they're doing with some of them are smoke, or injecting or whatever, smoking the horror, and then smoking that um, incense. Yeah. Because it takes the edge off it. I don't understand that at all. Are the dealers gone, are they? No, they're still in the door with them. So they're helping her shoot up? They're helping her shoot up. Sometimes the person might not be able to get the vein themselves, and someone else will do it for them. Do you get me? Yeah. And all this under the eyes of the Simon community. And the homeless services right there as well. And nothing being done about it? Well, if there was something been done, with all due respect, if there was something been done, why are so many people dying? Why are so many people overdosing every day? I mean, indiscriminate throwing the paraphernalia around the place, you know? 
sometimes you'd sometimes you'd wonder do they want do they want them stopping this spot, you know? They were saying there was another guy that OD'd last night, but we're not sure whether he's still with us or not. Similar to the girl you saw last week. Yes, very similar to the girl you saw last week. And as you heard the young fellow that was saying tell us ourselves this morning on Carlton Street there that he uh He's, he's shocked by it because he, he really doesn't think that um, he survived because like I mean what you have to understand is when they're shocked like that it must mean something because they, this is Groundhog Day to them they might see this multiple times a day mm. you know but it must be really bad if they're shook oh absolutely absolutely I mean because they're, they're even desensitised to like they're reviving each other and everything in the door do you know what I'm saying yeah like you might get revived yourself at 9 o'clock in the morning for an hour or two later you might be doing it for someone else and you know you think I often think that it's so bad and, I suppose the addiction that I often think that you know the, the deaths of the guys and the girls in the street would sort of make them cough not cough on but say, make them think you know mm. it doesn't seem to scare them about dodgy tablets it doesn't seem to scare them about dodgy gear it doesn't seem to come into play like but well, I suppose you're only like you've been there you know like all you're looking for is your next fix really isn't it that's it you don't care about that unless it's going on around you you know even even we've got a guy here now going up to get his steel now and he's he looks as sick doesn't he sure he can barely walk yeah. and seems to be in a lot of pain see that's the thing you wouldn't know Again, a lot of them have a lot of serious, serious health issues. It's called us over the left of us, the emphysema, the lungs, the whole lot. Yes. Do you know? Um, that's just a bit. This doesn't see the dangers, the health aspects, dangers. The, you know, it doesn't, just don't care about who's around, who sees them. The thing is, they're over the door, you know. What if one of them now all of a sudden ODs because of, of whatever they're taking? So they'd all just take off running, do you get me? Yeah. they be gone. And sure, if at nine, if or whatever time of the day that someone ODs in the doorway, there's someone I like drug dealers when they get sent away. I'll say there's one there to replace them. Same here with addiction. Do you know? Mm. They don't give. They don't care that they're killing, killing their own friends and more, more than often they're not their own family. Yeah, true homelessness as well. Like there's something happening there now. There's something happening there now too. Yeah. Your man looks like he was only after having a bang at the heroin there, the fellow that was struggling to get over. Yeah. He's as pale as a ghost. No, that's the kind of colour you get as well after after taking it. Your one's colour now was much worse than his there. I'm still, I'm still in shock, but I'm still taken aback by the colour of her. Yeah. She's thankful now she's okay. Got to see her about a week later, but... He needs to get down into him and get into him. No, he'd be late though, cause like, yes. like, like, yeah, he's sound out, boy. Oh, I see, like I think you know the way when you're getting yeah. an inch and you're sick, you're like, just everybody yeah. go away from me. Even if somebody's been the nicest person in the world, you're just like, oh, yeah. leave me alone till I get this into me and then, you know, we can kind of speak, you know. My kind of dream thing is you wouldn't even call it a dream, really. really. I just go away and cop on my beer, provide her for my wife and kids, man. Yeah. Get off the heroin, you know what I mean? You say, how did yeah. I? Yeah. Tell, my mother used to always stay, say to me, stay away from that stuff, boy. Don't go near yeah. it, because I used to be above among giants and stuff. She'd be like, don't you go near I'd be like... And what would you say to your man there that's just got into the doorway with the needle to shoot up? How would you tell him to... Him, like, how would you approach him to, to get off it? I don't know. You wouldn't have to approach someone, I think. 
Like, people sit down and have a, have a chat with them. Like, I'll let them know, like, for, for me, like, it likes me know if I got myself clean and got myself good. Like, I got to, like, like, if I do when things work out for me, like, I'm going for a job in counselling, even if it was just, yeah. even if it was just to go up to the meetings and just do one or two of the meetings. I always said, I'll say in front of anybody, I love it. I love treatment and I, I love the aspect of it. Like, there's no better, no better feeling getting up in the morning like I'm, I'm being normal you know yeah do you know like being not having to wear short pants and you know being able to wear the short pants i know yeah. that's so stupid no well, no but, but you, like, you haven't been able to do that yeah you have to put on three or four jumpers and but, like, but how did how, boy, how you did know? you start in the first place i, st- I started going over to have three friends into the smoking in the bedroom and they were like enjoy one one and i was like away with that stuff man and then i went over the following night and they were smoking again. They went over the night after. They were smoking yeah. again. It was like, what's happening? It was like putting petrol on the fire. I went over then again, and I said, give us one or two drags of it. And what was it that started you? It was like I was sniffing. I yeah. was sniffing solvents at six years of age, seven years of age. Do you know what I mean? You and what, know would, what, would, what would drive a six-year-old to start sniffing solvents? Well... Uh, I don't know, looking back, no. Frick, I'll touch you. Yeah, do you say you're smoking? Find the needle there, no? Yeah, it's capped. Black. Is it capped? All right. She owed me, she owed me a score, yeah. kid, yeah. Wow. Yeah, she owed me a score. Yeah, I can't do it. She owed me a score, so that's the score I owed you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's enough, right? Yeah. You feel all right now after that, do you? Yeah, after that, I still didn't get it into me. No. He still has to get that into me. He'll be like a demon now until he gets that into me. That now there is like, that's like, he won't be sitting, but he's even walking now. Yeah. Like, he'll be like, no, in a few minutes. Horrible, like you'd be dying. Yeah. You'd be literally could be like on your knees, man. You could be like that, like and just, just that then, like you're. Just, yeah. You're not happy. You're not like yay if everything is brilliant. You're just yeah. normal. You know what I mean? You know. Yeah. Wow. Who? I don't know. But uh, you just feel normal. You're normal again. But as you said, a while ago anyway. Uh, about, about taking drugs to it uh, for the first time. Yeah. I'd say it was abuse off my stepfather. I'd say, I'd say yeah. Somebody me. looking for a deal there, is there? No. Hello, I don't deal, I don't deal drugs. Uh, no? No, I don't deal drugs. Right. Hello? <laughs> what's up? Yeah, what's happening? Yeah, that's Seamus on the streets talking with users, talking with dealers and uh, being on a bit of a tour around the city with Bernard O'Hare, the campaigner for the homeless. So those. was... Um, one line there that the chap near the end said uh, that uh, rehab is great. There's no better feeling than getting up in the morning and feeling normal. He was the chap who said he was sniffing solvents at the age of uh, seven years, six years, seven years of age. Others are clearly injecting heroin. Others are smoking heroin. And some are smoking this incense spice, which is just absolutely lunatic stuff. You can buy it in one or two cork shops. Now, they'll sell it to you telling you, that you um, you burn it in your house as incense and, uh, you know, you put it in a little bowl. But many people that are buying it are just buying it to roll it and to smoke it. In fact, I bought a bag of it some years back for €100, Euro, a bag of incense. So it is available and uh, it's deadly. It's, uh, that's when you see people almost zombified, completely and utterly detached from reality. 
uh, sometimes you're looking at somebody who has actually smoked incense. So that audio really should be put in a time capsule for 2122 to be opened in 100 years to see how things are then. And they can also look back at how things were in 2022. Councillor Paddy Deneen joins me on my phone. Paddy, good morning. Did you hear that audio? I did, Neil, and it's my second time hearing that. Yeah. Yeah. It's quite yeah. disturbing, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And now, worse than ever before. Um, can you... Can you are you allowed to reference your time as a paramedic? Because clearly in an ambulance you'd have gone, gone to call-outs like some of the ones we just heard. Yeah, we we would have, yeah. And um, back back in my day with the HSC, I, I, I was based in, in in Cashel at the time. And um, yeah, it, 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 it was a regular thing. It was like these, 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 we say individuals became regulars and they were known as regulars, you mm-hmm. know. Mm. We'd call them regulars. And what would typically we, happen um, then when somebody was picked up off the street having OD'd? And I suppose in some cases it could be uh, life-threatening. Well, to be in the life in the life-threatening scenario where the, where they take the opiates, the where the, the respiratory and and the heart rate and everything is, has reduced down so so low that it's a life threat. We carry a, a drug called um, Narcon or Naloxone, which, which reverses the effect of the of the opiates and. Um, Get them back, you know. Mm, mm, mm. It works quite quickly as well. It's, um, yeah, it, it's it's good to have it on the ambulance. And just I just want to just say as well, within the ambulance setting, it's 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 locked away in a safe, like it's under lock. Oh, I understand yeah. absolutely yeah, yeah, all yeah. of the proper protocols. I'm not disputing that for yeah, a moment. Course, but yeah, yeah. but it, it must seem like a hopeless task because it's like trying to push back the tide, really, isn't it? Yeah, it, it can be. It can be. Yeah, because as, as I said, they are regulars. They, they, these people, they, they have, they're desolate. They have nowhere to go. They have nothing to do, and they just find this is their way of getting their, um, getting through their day, getting through their normal day. And, and we'll and, never know the exact figures on Lee's side of those that either die by their own hand or die from drug use. We'll never know. Probably not. No. Yeah. But I imagine that it's a fairly significant number. Like if the, if those on the streets are constantly changing, what's happening to those that went before? Where do they end up? Yeah, like we do hear we do hear the cases where, where people have have recovered and 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 went on. Like I think you had the two chaps on there. Like the, the two Norris, I think, are, are, are a perfect example here, yeah. where where they, they they went on and 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 kicked the habit and yeah. went on to to do something positive. Um, but unfortunately, that, that's that's far and few between. I says some just drift away and they've never seen again and unheard of thereafter, or never, and not even missed, you know. Not even missed. And where are you then with regards to the proposed injection centre that we've been talking about? Yeah, I, I think this is very positive. I actually raised this uh, four or five years ago as an interagency meeting with the HSC, the Gardaí, etc., and I raised it directly with the headman, um, Mr. Hall at the time and the response I got then was that there was no intention or no money or there was there was no policy there whatsoever for any such centre being opened. That's changed now. And that's changed now. We can still see that it's now getting worse. It's 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 in the open domain, it's in the it's in the public spaces, it's everywhere. And yes it has changed and I would now support the Lord Mayor's recent call in in looking for something that had to be set up. Okay. Uh-huh. Where would it be put? Well, ideally, as as, you're, as people were saying yesterday, definitely we're in a hospital setting. Um, personally, me, my my own my my own thought on this would be probably the Urnville Hospital down on Western Road. It's quite central. It's there. It's HSC owned. It has the, like a, it has the space. 
Is it empty? Apart from administration, I'd say it is, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it would be accessible, fairly accessible to the city centre where most of the users and the addicts actually congregate, yeah? Yes, and it, and it is enclosed. It's gated on, so, so, so it, it can be secure. Okay, would it, would it not make more sense to have it down around Anderson's Quay, though? One of the main areas that you heard in the audio there a while ago where people congregate to deal and to use. Well, well, there is no main area per se, really, Neil. Um, like Anderson's Key, okay, being an area where, where, where Simon is, is based and through no fault of their own, this is happening then. But I, I think if, if we're offering such a facility where, where supports can be, can be there on the ground to the, to the individuals who need help, like they're only, they're only, they're only like a hair away from getting help and, it's just if it's there in front of them they will go and get that help yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. it is an illness at the end of the day and they need that help and if we can give the support if we can give the security and the privacy and you know and create a neutral zone for them to to go to where all this is available for them a lot of pushback against I, it I can give you examples yes. of texts from people who are saying you know it's their own fault we shouldn't be giving them sympathy nobody forced the needle into their arm nobody handed them the heroin to smoke it no, well, true. No, no one did. But, but unfortunately, when you, for me, when I was working in in the service, you know, you know the stories. Like there, it's tragic stories. It's there's there's always a background to this. There's a reason for this. Not in all cases now, of course, you know. But there are cases. Like you, you hear that chap there, like six years of age, sniffing glue at six years of age. Why, why would he be doing that at six years of age? Mm. Mm. It's probably peer pressure. In it's his case, he said that it was it was sexual abuse. Yeah, there could be or there's issues there there's, that's causing this. It could be a case of monkey see, monkey do, as simple as that. And next day they're on the slippery slope. Yeah, and and away they go. And um, so we need to put something in that can stop that slope, to stop that fall. You know. Okay. Okay. And I would support. I would certainly support the army. And when will it happen? Yeah. I mean, what are the thoughts in council as to the timeline for this? Oh. With the way things work in the in the sector, you'll be looking at if you're putting the call out now. If you were to get support and 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 from the public minister, consultation and all that kind of exactly, thing, exactly, yeah. you'd be looking at never four or five years possibly. Crikey, the way things work. yeah. Realistically, I would say that. Yeah. Crikey, I mentioned. Imagine how bad it will be in four or five years' time. Yes, unfortunately, yes. And and is 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 led okay? So. Okay, an injection centre allows people to come and use their, their heroin, where the heroin would be tested for them. Is that not surrendering to the problem? Because hear, we hear this, okay, the injection centre, you will use your own heroin, you can use it there. Come on in and shoot up. And also other people are now saying, oh, and while we're talking about that, we should also be decriminalising yes. drugs for personal yeah, use. Well, I would certainly uh, look for that. That would have to go in tandem with, with, with this as well. I think. I think we would certainly have to be legalising some soft drugs in this in this instance. What's the soft I, drug I, though? Even if well, cannabis we, is a gateway drug. Well, well, we just say cannabis for argument's sake. Like, we, 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 I think it should definitely be legalised. It should definitely be controlled by by, by the state. Sold in shops, con- licensed. Everything is under control, and it's, it comes under the control of of, of the authorities. Just, yeah, just cannabis, on. is it? Yeah, I would just say just cannabis. I, I, I see, like, you see this in Amsterdam, you see it in San Francisco. They have it, they have it legalized, and and it has worked. It has worked in these instances. You know, you have the cafes as such. You have licensed shops. You have chemists that would that would deliver 
Oh, absolutely. Been drug assessed. Yeah, I've seen in, it. In, yeah. in, a, in, in a controlled manner. And they absolutely. make Absolutely. It's by, like yeah, buying a bun or a cake or a packet of fags or a bottle exactly, of beer. Yeah, it's all, in, it's all, all very much controlled. Okay. And then with, but, but, finally, um, with regards to the Lord Mayor saying that um, he would decriminalize, decriminalize the use of um, strong drugs or very, very dangerous drugs like um, heroin to addicts. No, I, I, I think the soft, I think we should, we should just keep it with the soft drug initially. I, I think definitely like his call for the injection center is a hundred percent. I'm behind that decriminalizing. I don't think we we should do that, but we should definitely legalize the softer drugs and, and he, have control. Then, yeah. Okay, so so not decriminalize. And, and may I also add as well with regard to the injection center where where the where the heroin is is controlled as well. It's it's they're getting controlled doses. And they're not getting, they're not getting the, the, like the, the overdosing. Yeah, but they're bringing their own though, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, but it's controlled for them. No, but they still get it from a dealer and bring it there. Well, yes, I guess I guess that, that that's something I'm not too sure about. Yeah. Neil, how that would work. Well, I'm open, I'm open to correction on that. Yeah, I don't think yeah. they're doling out the heroin like they're doling out methadone at a, at a pharmacy. I think people bring their own heroin. Maybe I have that wrong, but that's my understanding of it. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure of that. I hold out. I'm not sure of that side of it. No need that again. Consultation will will the will, will make us aware of all that. But but, but what, I, what I'm trying to say is that within the centre itself, then it's, it's controlled. It's delivered in a controlled way. There's does no nothing though. It does nothing though to control. Oh, it is. Yeah, and it is and, tested. And for it allows the person to see himself, and and maybe decide at that point that no, I'm not going to do this today. I'm going to get help and just help there. Then absolutely. And there are counsellors there and medics on yeah. hand. All that is a very good thing. Nothing at all, though, about trying to tackle the dealers. And um, apparently, if you stand outside a post office or if you stand outside the GPO of a given morning, you'll see all of the dealers there. Wouldn't it be handy to have a couple well, of cops there, maybe arresting them? Yes. Well, yeah. Well, as I said, that's that's a guard. That's a guard issue. And if I may also say, like, it, it, it should be it should be more of a judicial issue because sentences need to be a lot a lot harsher mm. for for everyone. In, in some way, there needs to be some some of that, like, and free legal aid we need to consider that too in some ways in some instances I think all this needs to be looked at judicially but regarding the sentencing and all that that's the, and the, that's the guard issue and judicial issue unfortunately I can't okay. speak for that okay yeah. alright so um, even in spite of the fact that maybe everyone on council is on board and the HSC want to do it the injection centre could be four or five years away you believe in your opinion well, that's the way things work, yeah. That'd be my opinion. Okay, yeah. all right. Thanks a lot. Much obliged, Paddy. Thank you, Councillor Paddy Deneen. Text 0868104106. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Text and WhatsApp 0868104106. Gorks Red FM. Uh, the car that flipped on Blarney Street. The same thing happened to me about two years ago on Gerald Griffin Street. I was coming home from a night out and I heard a car speeding up behind me and the squeaking of tyres. Next thing I knew when I turned around, the car was coming at me upside down. I ran over to see if they were okay. He came out of the driver's window and ran down the side alleyway because he was drunk. When the guards came, they didn't check to see if I was okay. They just asked, where did the man run off to? And said, okay, you can go home now. I can tell you one thing. I was pretty traumatized after it. And that was a couple of years ago on Gerald Griffin Street. We're talking about the incident on Blarney Street as well. It's not just Blarney Street you need to look at. On Fair Hill, the speed they're doing is unbelievable. We've had three serious accidents in the past few months. And also you remember on Douglas Street, the SUV uh, that came down uh, Douglas Street and uh, misfortune uh, was, uh, I guess, like somebody with uh, you know a bike, maybe a delivery man for Deliveroo or something. He nearly got absolutely 
um, annihilated by the SUV on Douglas Street. Um, here's a photograph of my golf from last month. And the golf is up on its side on a country lane, literally up on its side. Um, we were doing 13 kilometres per hour. Dash cam footage will prove it. Because I was saying you couldn't flip a car if you were doing, you know, 20 or 30 kilometres on a street. Um, this chap is saying that his car flipped at 13 kilometres an hour. I work in the motor trade repair for 16 years. Speed is not needed to flip cars. Nowadays, they're just plastic and thin metal, not the weight that there was, say, 20 years ago. Also, how experienced was your caller saying that the car on Blarney Street was travelling at 80 plus kilometres an hour? I'm racing for 10 years and I still can't put a speed on movement nor could I hit 80 kilometres an hour on that street with the parked cars and the speed bump. Well, I, I mean, I understand what you're saying, but the guy was there on Blarney Street. He told me what he saw, and he said that it's not right to say that speed was not a factor in his opinion. The speed that he saw was a factor. And can I just ask, with regards to your car travelling at 13 kilometres an hour, the Golf, there's a kind of a, there's a bank on both sides. Did the car go up on the bank and then flip over, I wonder, or did it flip, on, flip over on the flat? Just curious if you could just maybe uh, clarify that. Text 0868104106. And thank you to Siobhan from Apple, who sent me a very lengthy email of the abuse of animals, primarily um, uh, ponies, horses, foals and dogs up around uh, Apple. Uh, Why not send the emails and the photographs to Pavi Point, see what they have to say about it. I certainly will. Uh, Well done for bringing this up on the radio. It's like the Wild West around St. Anthony's Park, Park and Apple. I worked in Apple going back two years and it seems not much has changed. I actually gave up bringing the Gardaí. They do not attend. Uh, Cork County Council have nobody to attend and there's no vet nor inspector. I've sent emails previously and to be honest, you just give up as nothing changes. The TDs in the area are well aware of this uh, also. Now it would seem that many of the staff in Apple are just fed up to their back teeth um, of uh, witnessing this. Um, The animal cruelty in this area is just getting worse. It is sickening. Ireland will put up with this and there's no help only for the charities. Something seriously needs to be done about this matter and sooner rather than later. The TDs do not help. It's a sad situation. And just one more. I live in Grawn myself and I feel the guards have just lost interest in these calls as it's just happening so often. It's so upsetting as many of the animals can be hurt and injured and it's often to, awful to see. There are Shetland ponies at the moment all week up and down the road, sometimes with two teenagers on them. Uh, the Department of Agriculture says it's a council issue. Cork City Council have no option for animal cruelty, just a dog warden. So keep those coming to 0868104106. Liam, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? Okay, we spoke some years ago on and on many different <coughs> topics of conversation, amongst them drugs. So morning to you, Bonner. Yeah. What's on your mind? Okay, yeah, that, that conversation we had years ago was about four or five years ago on the same subject. And I had said at the time, this, this whole epidemic, and, and since then it's got worse, ten times worse than when we spoke four or five years ago. And the, the, what I had suggested is they need to change the law. The law, the laws are only drugs. Uh, it's all ridiculous because you've got, you've got the, the class in class A, you've got ecstasy, you've got, you've got cocaine and stuff like that, more, more, more sociable drugs, and then you've got heroin and the likes of that savagely addictive drug and that should be an A plus ok and, and the heroin that, is either carry- injected or smoked or they also smoke spice but you, you seem to have no problem with ecstasy or coke or cannabis do you? it's not no problem none of them is good none of them are good 
But the difference is they're very different animals. I mean, if you're yeah, like somebody doing cocaine and doing, doing ecstasy, you know, I was in the pub trade for years. You dealt with all this sort of thing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they're party people. They're a bit of fun. They're, uh, you know, it's none of it good. But the whole thing is, there's none of them having to go in, smash cars, to rob people, to break into their parents' How homes, do you know that? How do you, but how do you know that? If somebody runs up an enormous drug debt for cocaine and the dealers are calling, the dogs are barking, they'll rob to well, pay that's the another, debt. See, that's another day's work. That's another whole different ballgame. What I'm talking about is just the person using. And the reality being, the person using, say with heroin, they have to feed a habit that's, that's, that they have to feed every day because it, the, the pain and everything that goes with that if they don't feed that. So when they haven't got money, it means robbing, it means breaking into, it means mugging, and it means this massive crime that goes with it. So you change the law to say heroin now is a, is a plus class. What that means, somebody who's, who's caught with heroin, they're dealt with. They're picked up, they said, right, here's the deal. You get a treat. You, you go into treatment or you go to jail. You go three months jail or six months treatment. This is how it's going to work. You're caught for the second time, it's six months jail. You catch somebody dealing it in any form, be it a hundred euros worth or 10,000 or a thousand. It's a cut dealing in any form of shape. It's 10 years minimum. And that's how you deal with a pandemic. This is an absolute, it's been going on for years and it's getting worse and worse and worse and not pussyfooting about and telling them, oh, we give but you, you a place, we give you places. But You're you going to make it worse. You can't find a homeless addict a hundred euro. They don't have it. Not fine, not fine. You not find them at all. I'm saying, put the, you're giving them a treatment. They go to treatment center or they go to jail. You're not finding them anything. It's not about finding you. It's a brutal pandemic, and the law will have to get brutal. This is how you're going to clean it up. It's gone ridiculous. I mean, I was coming up the back of Manny's Avenue there months back, and uh, I see these two little junkies there, and there they were annoying this woman coming down the road just as well. I came around the corner when they did. I got out. They dealt with them and they ran off. You know. Um, Why do you say two little? I mean, I. Uh, Sorry enough, I seem to be taking you to task, but you're well able to... No, no, why, why do you say two little junkies when we've been talking over the past couple of days that they're sick? That they terms like junkie are derogatory. It is. Oh, it, it is. I get, I, I get that. I mean, I, I'm the first person to sit down and talk with anybody or help them, and I, I, and I do that. But the thing is... You know, I use that term, I do. And, 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 but the, po- the point is, a lot, of them are, a lot of them are little scumbags that gone down this road anyway. It's not, you know, that, that they went down this road because all they wanted to do was go out and get high and it, and, and it, it got worse. And their whole lives, it, was, it took over their whole lives. They ended up fighting with their family, stealing from their family, and this is when a lot of them ended up in the streets. Yeah, exactly. It is sick. But they've got to, it's got to be brutal. And they've got to be taken to task. And if it's going to go on the way people are leaving it and they want to talk about it going to helping them with needle stations and all this kind of stuff, it's just going to get worse. It's going to get worse and worse and worse. If you get brutal with but it, the, it's a but brutal the injection, pandemic. But the injection centre will have counsellors, medics, doctors, people from rehab and treatment centre, or at least so I'm told in five years' time, to encourage them to go in and do what you want them to do to get clean. But they need to go to the injection centre to meet the professionals. That would be in the ideal world deal. But you know yourself, look at the state of our health system. We can't cope with what, what's coming in the door from people 1. getting through. 1.3 million, and, and on and on 1.3 million on waiting yeah. lists for, drug, for hospital treatment. Yeah, yeah, it is. It, it's all that. So it's really, it's, again, it's about changing the law for one. You start with that. They should decriminalize marijuana and stuff because you've got, you've got the drug task force are tied up all their time with this, with, with, with uh, marijuana. Take it off the criminals. And there's a lot of people who smoke a bit, a, a bit of weed and, and they hate supporting criminals. But they, that's the only option. 
corruption in the country. So take it away from them. And the history has proven the country, you know, all these countries that legalize it in, in American states that legalize marijuana. So you would decriminalize cocaine, you decriminalize no, ecstasy. Not, no, no, not cocaine and ecstasy. No, they're a different animal because they can be very dangerous. Weed is a different animal. But say you've got weed decriminalized, the likes of cocaine and ecstasy are class, call it class A, and anything above that, the likes of heroin and all these deadly addictive, they should be called class A plus. And they get dealt with in a whole different ballgame. Build bigger prisons. Build bigger prisons, is it? Bigger, bigger, bigger prisons are much bigger sentences and no to- and, and, and zero tolerance with any of it. And that's the whole way... For the dealers and the users. Thing. For the dealer and the user. The user's got to be dealt with. And the guy dealing should see, should see no, no, at least 10 years for dealing and did the legs of heroin. And that will be a massive deterrent for them, you know? Yeah. And that's really... It, it's, it's, you've got to attack it. That's the tiptoe the pussy for the vote. It's gone ridiculous. There's people getting mugged on the streets, attacked. It's all sorts of names. And we only hear of the of a heavy story, somebody getting beaten up badly. We don't hear of the little girl going home or the guy getting home and they're taking his phone off him. And, you know, this goes on wholesale every day, all up and down the country. It's got to be taken to task. It's got to change the law and attack the thing head on. Are you still and in touch with vintners? Are you still in touch with vintners, publicans and restaurateurs? I'm just curious as to the social aspect of cocaine use and social evenings. Uh, I don't know. I'm not. As I said, I I, I haven't really been in, in, in contact with so many people. I, you know, just me going up myself for a pint here and there and talking with them. You know, but nobody. I never hear that becoming an issue. I never hear anything like that. Cocaine or ecstasy around at home becoming an issue. It doesn't affect the person on the street getting mugged or you know. No, it doesn't. But it is happening. But it is happening in homes. Cocaine use, and that's the hypocrisy of it all. Though we talk about drugs and we talk about drug cartels and the Kenans and South South American cartels in Mexico and Colombia and everything. But yet on a night out, it's cocaine everywhere. It's like you know. They bring a bag. There is, but look, it's and the same. You could say the same thing about drink. I mean, a drink. You know, there's so many people that I know in the bar trade uh, for years. And I remember telling you this story over 20 years ago about people that were going. You know, nice people. They get. You know, we they, they go in to have a few points and they turn into monsters, animals who drink. You know, mm. a lot more and put put cocaine into the mix of that same person, and it it, it makes that worse again because that's the person. That's a person who should never drink. Mm. You know, they should never do drugs. You know, mm. and unfortunately, they do. And these are the people. You know, that this is what happens but you know it's a whole different ballgame the whole ecstasy cocaine thing the socially going to the pub and then going out and have a bit of you know a bit of fun at a lot of the times you know that sort of case where's the, the heroin or the crack cocaine and the crystal meth is a different, different level yeah okay okay it's a different animal and they should change the law accordingly Neil and then attack it head on and that's where you're going to get results because we're going down the wrong road if we're, if we're pussyfooting about it and trying to say you're, you're helping them along the way we need to make it more difficult and, and stringent sentences and so on for, for dealing with it it's okay. never going to get sorted otherwise. Thanks you know? Liam, Liam Bonner by phone you can get involved in the conversation yourself pick up the phone 0818 back after 11. I'm Lana O'Connor, Red FM News is first for local, national and international news and you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie 104 to 106 Red FM This is the Neil Prenderville Show uh, Yeah, So glad you read out that email from Siobhan at Apple um, I'm in the Parklands area and see this kind of issue all of the time near Fair Hill and Blackstone Bridge This is animals, horses, ponies uh, foals, sulkies uh, emaciated dogs dogs going around in packs and she says it's very upsetting the authorities do nothing about it the guards tell the residents to call the horse charities uh, and my lovely horse rescue. 
There's absolutely no support for the animals or residents having to witness this day in and day out. It's shocking and it's cruel. Some of the pictures that have been shown, actually, some of them are from Google Maps that were sent by Siobhan from Apple. Uh, and you see uh, fellas in a sulky at uh, traffic lights and someone in a sulky at a T-junction or somebody on a sulky on the main roads up there amongst cars and other forms of traffic is very, very normalized up there by all accounts. So text 0868104106. Back to the phone lines we go. I'm very happy to chat to Jason because he's been through the nightmare, nightmares of addiction himself and went to treatment. J- Jason, good morning. Good, mo- good morning, mate. Uh, former user who went th- through treatment yourself. Was it, uh, did, I think it was firstly with alcohol, then sadly with heroin, was it? Uh, yeah, I just started uh, using once or twice a week and then um, a couple of people said to me um, that's like, that's the way I started with them and it's going to lead on to within a matter of a month, like it'll be four or five days a week and then onto the onto the needle, then like kind of thing like that, like, you know, so yeah. I kind of, I kind of basically said to myself, right, like, uh, I was, I was walking and everything, like, uh, at the time, like, uh, in construction and stuff like that, so I kind of, like, my family members, like, that were there at the time, and then they, they got me to, got me uh, into treatment and things like that, like, I'm just, sorry, no, I'm just a small, small bit nervous. You're absolutely about, fine, like, listen, you're absolutely fine. So you listened to people when they said to you, in a month's time, you'll be destroyed from this? Well, not the side, but in a month's time, like the effects of the smoking it. Smoking like, heroin. Will, yeah, will wear, like you won't get anything from it because it's so weak and whatever like that. You'll end up starting using needles, like, and I've a fair of needles myself, to be honest, which I saw. I just said to myself, Jesus, no, no, uh, sorry, sorry. And um, I just said, uh, no, uh, I kind of then like like uh, I think someone someone in my family got wind of it. Yeah, a relation, and uh, I said to myself, um, they 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 approached me about it, yeah. and I was just being honest. Yeah, and I just said, yeah, I did. I'm after trying it, like, and I'm after trying it a few times, and then they made a phone call without me knowing, like, and uh, it went from there. Then, like, yeah, yeah, got it. Yeah, yeah, and the, and the treatment worked. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, when you when you, I mean, you were saying in your text it started with alcohol, was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I was, as I said, I was working uh, construction from seventeen to eight, from about eight, seventeen upwards. Yeah. And uh, I worked in construction for about ten, fifteen years, and it was just drink, drink, uh, drink, and pub drinking like all the time. Like, yeah. Going yeah. out. Yeah, you would have been making good money as well, wouldn't you, at the time? Uh, yeah, at the time of the boom. Yeah, at the time of the boom. Yeah. Like, yeah. And yeah, before yeah. you knew it, it had developed into a problem. Well, what I've what I'd heard, uh, alcohol. The, the yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, but I I used to, I used to enjoy it, like you know, yeah. I used to enjoy going out to the pub at the weekend, like everyone else. Like, uh, like, no, the problem isn't it. But the drink wasn't a problem for me. Like, I didn't drink no fifteen in about ten years. Like, fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and it's not from going to meetings or anything. And uh, like, I just, I just, it was just my own choice. I've nothing against people. Don't get me wrong. Going to meetings, I've every respect from. But um, it was just my own choice. I just, I was able to just, just stop it. Like, okay, know? okay. Because so, that, so you could. So, I mean, your story is an interesting one because you did smoke. 
heroin once or twice. Um, you could have... Uh, more, more than once or twice, yeah. yeah okay, yeah. okay. And we heard you tell, tell us that friends said that, you know, you need to watch yourself because sooner or later you will move on to injecting heroin or maybe onto crystal yeah. meth or crack cocaine or, you know, no, what you were... No, but you know what I mean, that there's a potential to... Yeah, well, well, certainly yeah. to, to... Oh, in, yeah. yeah. Like one thing there's that like... You so there's probably, a lot, like, there's probably a lot of people on our streets that people kind of don't have much sympathy for, similar to your story, you know? Yeah, and you know, I think that, like I'm listening to since Monday, Neil, to be honest, and you're talking about it, I think, since Monday, yeah? You know, kind of in and out about it and about um, uh, where um, there should be centres and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, and, like, there's people on the streets, like, as I said to your resort, so that, like, those people on the street have to go out in the morning to get that to be able to just function. Eat. Yeah. To function, like, they don't get a buzz off it, like, they have to get that, like, they're, they're, they're not, like, they're not scumbags, like, do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. No, I'm not saying all of them or whatever, like, do you know what I mean? But I know a lot of people that are uh, heroin addicts and, like, they're working and everything, but the people that aren't working and this and that, like, they're the salt of the earth. Yeah. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, they wouldn't be around robbing people or this and that, like, you know, they'd... They'd, they might, they'd get up their money, like, or they'd save up, the, they'd put away a few pounds for every day, like, and this and that, and buy what they, what they have to buy every day, like, yeah. just to make them, you know, and um Well, there's people, some like, people wait. have been saying that, that you know, they're, they, they, they've got a lot younger and they've got a lot more aggressive. Uh, what's that now, Neil? Sorry. People, um, who, people, people who are on our... I mean, you see them on the streets now. They're a lot younger. Uh, like, There's a lot more girls right, on yeah. the streets now that you wouldn't really have seen 10, 15 years ago. Uh, oh, you, you, yeah. Yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you think that an injection centre would make... Because people are talking about building bigger prisons. You wouldn't go along with that. You think the injection centre... No, not this. So what's the point in building bigger prisons? Like when... It's like over in England, like I was watching... Uh, uh, a prison officer on a podcast on the phone, yeah? Yeah. And he's an ex-prison officer who worked in the healthcare unit in Strangers for 28 years, yeah? Yeah. And he he retired because he got a heart attack. But the point I'm making is, at the moment, the English government are planning on building, I think there's two, between two to 500 prisons next year. <sighs> and he was saying, like, what's the point of building two to... Uh, 500 prisons because obviously they're going to be filled it's less people who aren't going to jail like just costing the government money do you know that kind of thing it's not jails we need in this country at all it's injection centres so it'll stop people from families having to bury bury their loved ones and things like that do you know that that kind of thing like and it's do, do you know like having having controlled Control basically control. You could go into an area where you where people would go, like instead of someone going into a house or a flat or into a, an alleyway. a toilet on, the, on their own or an alleyway or anything like that, and injecting, and they could, and it happened, and I heard of it happening. Like I heard of, there was a young fella, he was in the toilet, McDonald's in um, Winthrop Street. He was in there for three hours, going back about four years ago, five years ago. And he was only back from Australia. Did I? He was in the toilet for three three hours before someone found him. All oh, right, okay. Was he saved? Do you know? 
No, he was dead. He was dead inside the toilet. I know. I actually know the bloke, like. Oh, my God. And you know, with regards to the treatment that you got, um, where, where yeah. did you actually go and how long were you there? I went um, to Abel Lodge first. And which I thought was fantastic, but the only, and then it was, um, I finished that over, um, Christmas period. It was around Christmas period, so places were shutting down for the, the holidays, yeah. if you know what I mean. Yeah. And I was, um, I stayed clean, obviously, over the Christmas, and then I, I went straight from there to Fellowship House, so you spend a month in Deborah Lodge. And three months in Fellowship House, that's out in uh, the South Side, you know where you I, know, do, yeah. I, I do, yeah. yeah. I do, yeah. yeah. So I think it should be the other way around. They're three months in Tabor Lodge and the one month in Fellowship House. Because you're taking out of Fellowship House every day and you're brought up. Well, at the time when I was out there, I don't know where I was now. This was going back, I don't know, over 10 years ago, it's not longer. Um, down Tabor Lodge. Like, it's out the middle of, you know, you know where Table Lodge is. Yeah, I do. Yeah. yeah, it's outside the city. Yeah, you know, it's outside, like, it's out, out a bit, like, you know, but you're taking out the Fellowship House every day and you're brought up to Farm Fellows, just doing, just basic English and maths and things like that, like, mm, and mm. whatever, like, you know. And after Table Lodge and after the Fellowship House period of three months, you 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 had no slips or no relapses. You managed to keep it together. Oh, I did. No, I did. No, I did have. I did have a couple of relapses. Yeah, I did have a couple of relapses because I was a bit angry. And uh, well, I wasn't a bit angry. It was just I expected more out of fellas. Suppose like what I like what I got off the staff and the the workers and the table lodge was just out of this world to help and the the people that I have still numbers belong to like. Was it a case that afterwards there was nothing then, is it? Basically, more or less, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. And how's life now with you? Yeah, 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 life is not too bad, yeah. Life is not too bad. I know I'm not drinking and uh, I'm I'm not using. And um, I just smoke cigarettes and, well, I shouldn't even smoke, well, mm. yeah, but whatever. Yeah, that's There's no one. No one's going to judge. No one's going to judge you for smoking no, cigarettes. I know. I, I, don't, I couldn't care if they did, but I'm not being smart. But, <laughs> I know. Uh, you know. Uh, but um, yeah, life is life is all life is all right. Yeah. Um, uh, life is all right at the moment. Life is all right for me. Like we are, like everyone of their own personal things going on. Like, yeah, yeah. But um, life is all right for me at the moment. Yeah. Long may yeah. it continue. I, I, I just have a, a circle of close close friends around me and friends that use as well. Let me get that in. Use or used? Use and used that I'm still in contact with. And I'd, I'd have not, like, just because they use, like, I wouldn't be with someone said on your show the other day, like, um, I think someone made a remark. I know a person who was clean and when he started using again, I wouldn't talk to him ever again. Like, do you know why? Like, so you think that the people that you are still in touch with who are using would be the t- people yeah. who would go to an injection centre to get help oh, and rehab and intervention? Of course, they're caught okay. and, and, and it's 95% of them going to save their lives. And where would you put the, the injection centre then, Jason? 
like you know, Neil, I don't know, like um, someone said it to me there, I said it to your researcher, there's bins around the city that the government paid for, I think it was 10,000 a bin, for used needles, they're down certain alleys and lanes, right? Yeah. Do you know? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Yeah, 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 yeah. I do. Yeah, disposal right, right. For, for disposal of needles yeah. and paraphernalia. Yeah. So basically, like they're saying, you can go. Basically, the guards are saying, or whatever the government are saying, like you can go down that lane, like and inject down that lane. Basically, if they're putting a bin there, like where are they putting a bin there? Like that's right. Yeah, it's common sense. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's only common sense, right? But there's a certain place down a certain lane where there's no kids. And there's there's not there's a there's a building down there, and there's about I think it's for about seventy to hundred cows in there for all people that work in that area. And yeah. I think down that lane where the business would be ideal. So you'd put it in a location that's currently been used by an awful lot of users. No, that's been used by. It's been used as a car park at the moment. Yeah. There's a there's a shot or if you walk down there, you wouldn't even see the cars park there. There's a shot or comes comes down okay. and okay. like the people the people that drive down the drive down the lane where where one of the bins are, they press the the fob or whatever and the shot are off. Yeah. And that's and in the city, is it? It's in the city, yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. All right. And um, I, I think, you know, I think the go, I think like with what they're doing with Ukraine and all this, I think they should concentrate on what's going on here in the city first of all, and what's going on in Ireland, not just Cork, what's going on in Ireland and such like. And I'll just say like, um, I actually met a Ukraine girl last week when I came out of um, post office up on the Bandit Road. And um, she flew to me, and I know it was um, like, um, what you call it, uh, Ukrainians, uh, what was that, a Baltic accent or whatever, like, yeah. you know, the knack, like that. And uh, she flew to me, and she was a nice looking girl, to be honest. So I said, Hi, how are you? And uh, she goes, Oh, your accent. So uh, she came over talking to me, and um, I goes, um, Where are you from? If you don't mind me asking. And she goes, um, The Ukraine, I'm here uh, less than two weeks. Uh, there was 300 of us came over on a flight and were staying in the Marlborn Hotel and uh, she goes uh, she was just asking me out of the post office uh, at, um, when I went in she was on her way out so she was outside and I seen her when I came out she was putting her money her social welfare money into her uh, purse with her daughter with her social welfare card yeah, yeah. and then uh, a free travel pass. She showed me the card. She had a free travel pass uh, card as well, and a and a medical card. So she told me that um, there was three hundred of them brought over on the plane. They were when they got off the plane, they were put on a bus, brought down to the Radisson Hotel. Two days later, they were brought into with the 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 we say like you know the conference or. A conference hall, whatever, inside no hotel. Yeah. There was a uh, hundred of them at a time brought in, and we'd say there was fifteen rows. Uh, you know, like when you were a kid at school, the table and chair, like. And she said that there was a note had a boy up put in front of them, and just write down their details. And then there was government people there. 
just went around one by one, handing them uh, a doll card and a medical card, and they were able to collect their doll. And, and but she was um, complaining then, like, and I goes, she goes, oh, the Irish are very nice and all. And I goes, I know, yeah, I goes, they're known to be all very nice all over the world. But uh, she goes, since I'm here the, the last two weeks, uh, the the couple of complaints I have, I, uh, uh, things are very expensive here. I goes, they're very expensive here. I goes, I think, I goes, as far as I know, the last I looked it up, I think we're the third most expensive country in Europe. I think Sweden is first, I think. Uh, it's two Scandinavian countries and yeah. I think Ireland is the dearest in Europe anyway. yeah. but she goes I bought a cup of coffee a while ago I go sorry can I stop you there um, I goes how much is the social welfare in Ukraine uh, and she said 23 euro a month and I goes 23 euro a month she goes yeah I goes what would be an average wage we say for a professional person I said like with a dentist for argument's sake, I said. And uh, she goes, about 200, 200 euros a month. I goes, how much did you collect in there, if you don't mind me asking? And she showed me how it says, 202 or 204 euro. I goes, so you're just you're getting 204 euro now every week. Oh, and um, I goes, you're getting 204 euro every week now. And when you're here two weeks, uh, you're complaining that the coffee is a bit expensive and stuff like that. And uh, before you come over two weeks ago, uh, the, you were collecting 22 euro every month in the Ukraine. Yeah. I was all in the after handing over 4.8 billion to you already. Like, I, I wasn't saying a smart no. No, no. How did like, she respond to that then? She kind of, she was looking at me like she didn't know was I being smart or not. But I said, look, I'm not being smart. I'm just telling you, like, it is an expensive country. But let me tell you one thing, like, like, uh, like the gods are looking down at you. Like you couldn't have been sent to a better country. Yeah, 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 yeah. Excellent. Because, well, Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. But what I meant, what I meant by that, like, is because most of the government here, like, half of them are. I won't even say what I'm going to say. Like, no, but I think you, you do seem to have an issue with her getting 205 a week when many people in Ireland no, well, are struggling. Uh, so. Exactly. Yeah, okay. Exactly. Okay. Like, okay. exactly. And she's complaining about it. Like. Yeah. 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 All right. And then she, she was complaining then as well. I'll, I'll leave you going. She was complaining then that she has to wait three weeks to get her two-bedroom apartment, which will be paid for. Uh, it'll cost her uh, there'll be 29 or 28 euro a week taken out of all uh, social welfare and who did she say was giving her the apartment and where uh, the council the okay. council and did she actually say that to you she did she said it to me as true as I'm talking so I wouldn't okay. say it otherwise like. okay. okay I actually have her number and she was complaining she was complaining that um, she'd have to wait for the, the three bedroom apartment for two weeks is it a two-bedroom apartment job two for two and complaining that she has to pay two euro, two euro ten cent for a cup of coffee. Okay, and who did she come here with? With her children, is it? No, on her own. And okay. I, and you know what? I kind of got a vibe, Neil. That I, you know, I just I like I'm kind of a bit streetwise, if you want to put it that way. I'm kind of I wouldn't say smart, like, but like I kind of I know, like uh, as I said. 
Pure soft joy when you was fucking into six FM. I often had a conversation when you was going where you were, where you, you know, where you was parked your car, like. Yeah, yeah, we probably chatted, did we? Yeah. Oh, yeah. we did, yeah, we yeah. often had a chat, yeah, yeah, and I had a meal, I had a meal down in uh, your restaurant on the boardwalk before. Man, with a uh, few family. And uh, uh, it was just, uh, I got the impression that she was, like, she was saying she'd come over here on her own. She'd no kids, no boyfriend. And, uh, well, why, they, why is she getting the two-bedroom apartment if she's on her own? I, I, knees, I don't know. I, I don't know. Okay. okay. I don't know. All right. Like, Interesting like, story. You know I mean? Interesting story. Yeah, but, like, but yeah. the main point I wanted to make is like, the government should concentrate here. Like, like when I... Uh, just, I leave it at this, sorry, for, and I leave it at this. When you hear the government here sending them, um, if there's a disaster and... We'd say some country like, I don't know, Tibet or somewhere like that. That would never... We'd say a country that don't even know Ireland would exist. The Irish are the first to rush to... Or we'd send them over 20 million. But you believe that we don't help... Yeah, you don't believe we help our own enough, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not the only person. Like I said, those 90% 90%, of the cock people, I'd say, would agree with that. uh, Well, let me me find out, all right? Let me find out what people have to say with regards to my conversation with you. Take care, Jason. Stay in touch. Take care, pal. Text 0868104106 if you have an opinion on what Jason had to share. Back after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818104106. Cork's Red FM. Okay, I want to mix things up. I'll come back to these conversations again tomorrow, so feel free to get involved. We have the 500 euro tab behind the bar of the yard at the Castle in Glanmire, which is a fantastic venue, award-winning venue, and there's 500 euro there for you and your friends to have food and drinks and celebrate a special occasion or watch a match. You can have a few drinks, a couple of cocktails, some wine and some food, but you got to share with me by text who you'd bring and why and what the event would be. So you can text 086-8104-106 on that one. You can also WhatsApp, and I hope to get a few of those this side of midday and certainly loads of them then 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 even tomorrow Irish Rail has cancelled a lot of the late night train services to the Ed Sheeran gigs in Dublin because of a lack of demand I suppose a lot of people wouldn't bother going to Dublin when they can still get tickets for the Cork gigs because you got Belfast you got Dublin you got Limerick and you got the Cork gigs as well so there's not a huge amount of demand for people to take um, the train up and come back at like their train set on for 20 to 1 in the morning a Houston Cork special and Cork Bureau reporting that many of those have been axed because uh, there just isn't demand um, we're actually looking you know when Jason was talking about the Ukrainian girl saying that Cork is very expensive I was just curious as to what the hotel prices are this day week you know the Thursday night this is the Thursday night of the Ed Sheeran gig this, this day week and we're looking at prices for that on the 28th of April and we're comparing uh, different hotels like Jury's Inn um, on the night of the Ed Sheeran gig. Uh, this would be in you know w- one night, two adults in a room. So on the night of the gig, three hundred and seventy euro. The week after, one hundred and seventy nine euro. See the difference there. The Maldron on the night of the Ed Sheeran gig next Thursday night, one night, three hundred and forty five euro. The week after, one hundred and forty eight euro. Huge differences in prices. The Riverlee Hotel uh, on the night of the Ed Sheeran gig, three hundred and seventy euro. The week after. 212 euro. The Clayton Silver Springs on the night of the Ed Sheeran gig, 342 euro. The week after, 164. The Dean on the night of the Ed Sheeran gig, 385 euro. The week after, 
204. So very substantial increases in some cases. Metropole has no availability. They're totally booked out. The Imperial, no availability, totally booked out. And the same for the Rochestown Park. Cargoline Court Hotel, if you were going a little further out of town. On the night of the gig, 299 euro. The week after... 184. So you can see the difference in prices when there's a big event on in Leaside and the week after when there's not. Prices go very, very, very high. Anyway, your thoughts on that are welcome. Text 0868104106. I wanted to have a quick chat yesterday, ran out of time, with Mikey O'Loughlin, who posted on RSVP Live his experience going through Dublin Airport. Uh, worse than he had expected. Mind you, I'd love to talk to Cork people who have been using it and to find out as to whether or not it's getting any better. Mikey joins me by phone. Mikey, good morning. Morning, Neil. They say it is getting better slowly but surely, but what was your experience? Oh, it was terrible from beginning to end. Can you just move around there, Mikey? It's a shocking phone line. Just maybe see if we can... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Are we better here? Yeah. Where were you flying? London, was it? Flying to Heathrow, yeah. So that's a 45-minute flight from Dublin, and it turned out to be from the moment leaving my house to getting into central London was seven and a half hours oh, there go. Um, in terms of travel. So the Dublin Airport Authority were advising people to be three and a half hours ahead of your flight at the airport. And I arrived in, there was just queues everywhere. It was unclear. Were there queues outside the, the airport? There wasn't. No, there was no queues outside everything. Well, I've seen pictures that. of queues snaking outside the terminals. Yes, and that had been going on for days. And, and in both terminals as well, Terminal 1 and Terminal 2, um, but luckily that it was all inside. I did have my big jacket with me just in case. And uh, well, I, I was flying with British Airways and when I did get into the queue, um, I realised that people were queuing then for flights that were five hours later. So they were queuing for flights after half nine and people have been told if your flight is after half eight, not to arrive before five. And people were breaking those rules or those guidelines and was creating more chaos. Could you blame them though? In a way, no, but it just made the whole situation worse for people who were there, and that's what was making the queues longer, and that's why the advice was there. Um, but there was nobody from the, the ground crew, nobody from British Airways to speak to, um, and it turned out that the check-in was actually only opening at five, which was two and a half hours before the flight, so people were queuing an hour just static in, in the queue um, because we weren't told and we were told to be there three what, and a half hours what, before. What are they saying now? Two and a half for short haul and three and a half for long haul, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So new guidelines came in yesterday and they're saying that nobody should be in the airport um, two and a half hours before if you're flying around Europe and three and a half then um, if you're flying overseas, mainly the, the long haul going to Dubai or heading to America. And they're saying that that should even include your time to go through pre-clearance as well. So not to be in the airport. And that's what was causing a lot of the delays with people taking up space and joining the queues hours beforehand. And you know, the first wave of flights, it's always busy at that hour of the morning, but yeah. it's making things even more busy. And did it strike you as chaotic? Definitely chaotic. And the lack of staff around to ask questions to, you didn't really know where you were supposed to go. When I arrived first, I got caught behind a Ryanair queue. I could see where I was supposed to go, but I didn't know how I was asked, trying to navigate around oh all the God. people to end up in the queue that I needed to be in. I got halfway up and somebody who was uh, from the ground crew went down through um, to see what time everyone was flying at and then some people were asked to go to the end of the queue if their flight was later on in the day and um, I had said that I had checked in online. I was just looking to do a bag drop and then I got moved up the queue to just a bag drop line. Um, so even I, some people who were way up in the queue were put to the back of the queue and how did they feel about that? 
Um, I don't know. I, I, I didn't see, I didn't hear the conversations. I can't imagine they were happy, but they did have hours there, so I'm sure they definitely made their flights and there would have been no issue with that. I think the concern was that the time was getting closer to the 7am and the 7.35 um, to London City and London Heathrow, and they were trying to get those people checked in first. And you can only bag drop if you're flying directly to Heathrow, so you have to check in if you're connecting. And I was talking to a family behind me who are heading to Greece. They had checked in online similar to me, but they weren't allowed to move into the bag drop queue because they were connecting and they got to Heathrow. Does everybody ultimately make their flight, do you think? Well, I, when I was going through security, I was just about to tap my boarding pass and a, a, a man was very frantic. He had been sent to the wrong place. He was looking for help, um, trying to get forward. I, I pushed back and let him ahead of me and he said he's only 25 minutes to get through security and to make it his flight. So, like, he definitely didn't make it. Go ahead. Um, Make an interesting point on RSVP Live where you say that they've been advertising for security staff, but the conditions and the pay isn't very favourable. What, what do you mean by that? So um, you have to be available to work 40 hours a week, but you are only guaranteed 20. And the shift starts at 2 a.m. to 3 a.m. to be there for the first wave of flight. And pay isn't fantastic either. So it's not great conditions if you're relying on a job to pay your rent or to support your family but you might not get the 40 hours that week you might only get 20 or you might only get 30 um, but you have to be available for the 40 you can't pick up another part-time job in case you get called in so it doesn't sound very attractive you're saying to people no so yeah you can see why people aren't signing up and why people aren't jumping to take a job like that especially with the hours being so long and starting okay. so early as well. When you got through then, um, talk to me about the bars and the restaurants and seats and queues in there, even for a, a beer or a coffee or something. Yeah, so because the airport was full of people coming early and you know being there three and a half hours before, everywhere was full. All the bars, all the restaurants, all the shops. I went into Boots to get, to get something. That queue was outside the door of Boots, which normally you wouldn't see. I went to Starbucks, queue 25 minutes there to get a sandwich to bring on flight with me. It was really hard to find anywhere to sit. And like the place was just thronged with people. Um, the, the, probably the quietest part was the duty-free, you know, the, the alcohol and the perfumes. Um, but all the shops and all the restaurants, anywhere you were buying food or anywhere you could sit, which is mental. Okay. You must have been bait by the time you got to your destination in London. How long did it take okay. top to tail? So seven and a half hours in total to get to London. Um, it's between the 40-minute check-in, the 40-minute security, queuing for food. I got on the flight and we were delayed an hour on the ground due to fog in Heathrow. And then there was a delay to the baggage carousel. There was delays with the tubes and there was delays with the uh, with the Heathrow Express. So it was it was a morning to say the least. What what warning would you give to people? Because we have flights out of Cork, as you well know, but not to every destination that people want to go to. Unfortunately, begrudgingly, we have to go to Dublin. What advice would you give? Yeah, that's a, the unfortunate thing is that like I, I'm from Clare and I would fly out of Shannon and where where possible and wasn't possible that day um, but like well, my advice would be do follow the guidelines keep up to date they are changing day by day if you want to get something to eat bring it with you and uh, just prepare for the queues just be ready again um, get a podcast in your ears get an audio book in your ears do what you can uh, to pass the time um, but it is getting better day by day and that is for sure so um, hopefully that uh, after this Easter break that things do calm down next week. Good man. Thanks for taking the call, Mikey. Appreciate it. Uh, Mikey O'Loughlin, the showbiz editor with RSVP Live. Just on that point and one or two others, uh, we have uh, Owen Corey from Travel Extra. He's a travel expert that we deal with on a regular basis. Owen, good morning. Uh, good morning, Neil. Uh, anything to add to all of the above? My chat with Mikey. I mean, is it getting better? 
It is getting better, but Michael has just um, he summarised all the huge problems there. It's the uncertainty and the unpredictability and the confusion. They're the real problems. Most people bed down, they know that travel is going to be a bit of hassle and they just really want to know, uh, for, we're first certain, are they going to make the flight or first certain when they arrive in the queue's a bit long, is it going to keep moving? And it's very unpredictable. To give you an example, uh, it's five minutes as we speak in Terminal 1 in Dublin Airport and it's 25 minutes in Terminal 2 as we speak. 25 minutes before COVID, BC would have been, uh, you know, people, alarm bells would be going off and people would be saying this is an enormously long security queue. It just shows you... 25 um, minutes to clear through security and to have your bags x-rayed. Absolutely. So that's nothing. Well, at a time when it's not uh, busy, um, this is not the peak time for travel. It is, um, it's, it's too long by the standards of what we operated in 2019. But as you say, given what we've seen in recent weeks, uh, it's pretty, it's, it's acceptable. And the point I'm making is that when one queue, terminal is, has a queue of five minutes and the other is 25, that shows you how unpredictable everything is. I thought people were sitting on bags for five and six hours around the terminal. Sure, that's 25 minutes waiting to get cleared through security. That's fine. And that's 70 minutes uh, was, I think, the longest we've seen in the last week. Okay. And flights are, flights are not being missed now, uh, purely by security. But Mikey has also detailed this big problem of the checking in of the bag. Uh, obviously, Ryanair, it's all direct point to point. The automatic bag drop is working. But there are a lot of people still have to go to a desk. In Erlingus's case, as Mikey said, if your bag isn't going... Oh, for checking in of bags, yeah, I know. Yeah. And uh, the second thing is you do need to go to the desk if you don't have an EU passport, which a lot of people don't. So there's lots of extra little things, contingencies. Um, when you're going to West, Neil, you will need an extra security queue to get because the American uh, security has a separate one, plus the US immigration. They're running at about 25 minutes and about 45 minutes for US immigration. So you will need two and a half hours for long haul and two and a half hours for short haul. And as Mikey said, people are turning up really early when the security staff were not in place. That's what uh, created the, the longest queues we've seen in the last week or 10 days. Um, obviously, very early in the cycle, the first weekend of the summer schedule was when um, we, the queues got very yeah. long, really yeah. long, and got splashed over social media. Yeah, okay, okay, but we're, away, we're well away from that. It's not that bad anymore now. Flights not being missed, not that bad okay. anymore, but it's still a lot of stress bringing, those, bringing your children through. Okay, okay. It's not a great phone line, so I won't dwell much longer, but I had wanted to ask you about European and worldwide travel when it comes to being vaccinated, being unvaccinated, having co- the requirements of different countries. Uh, wh- wh- where are we at now with that? Like, I'm still, I'm hearing of people who've got their booster done, but they don't have an update to their cert. The update to the cert has to come from the HIT. It has to come by email. So you're really not going to get, um, you can go on and log in and say you haven't got it, but it still has to be processed. And a greater proportion of people uh, use the GP or the pharmacist for the booster than did the original two jabs we got last summer. So that's where a little bit of the log jam has been taking place. It is improving by the day for um, tests, countries not requiring tests. Uh, For instance, Australia 
doesn't require a PCR test. Now, South Africa dropped theirs, Canada dropped theirs in April the 1st, uh, PCR test. We're waiting for something to happen this week out of America. But you do need a PCR test, yeah. We need an antigen for America and um, they are, there's a good, all the indications are they're going to drop the antigen. And of course, there's a big uh, flurry of activity on masking on board aircraft at the moment. Still quite mandatory in Europe, but uh, the US is dropping it and some of the European countries. Locator forms... Yeah, yeah, what's the story there? Uh, there are about half the European countries have dropped it and they include important destinations out of Ireland like Spain and Poland with the 58 flights a week to Poland uh, Greece and Cyprus have gone but places like Portugal, France, Italy Malta still have it There's a big So you need a locator form going into the country telling them where you're staying Yes, even if you're even even if you have the digital COVID search, but Spain, which is by far our biggest holiday destination, uh, if you're vaccinated, you don't need the locator form. The locator form is also uh, become a, a, an arena for predators. Neil, if you do Google uh, locator form Italy, for example, the first people who show up in the Google search will fill out your locator form and then ask you to take out your credit card. All the government sites are free, but the pre- but intermediaries are paying Google to finish higher up and oh are charging God. people 50, 55 euro for something which is and free. And are people paying it inadvertently, yeah? Of course they are. They're paying it inadvertently because they're, they're uh, confused and not sure what's happening. And the way governments work is they don't pay Google uh, to finish higher up in the search. So that's one very important thing to watch. There's a common locator form for Italy, France, Slovenia and Malta. So that's two of our big destinations on a, on a, a standard locator form. Keep it. That's the one to fill out. Gotcha. Gotcha. Make sure you're on an official site then. That's the secret, isn't it? Absolutely. It's not that they're illegal because they do um, fill it out for you and there's a little notice in small print saying we act as an agent and we charge you for the service of filling out your locator form. They actually ask you the exact same information. It takes just as long, but it's, uh, it's, not, uh, an, it's not an illegal scam. But I do think there are serious questions by the Internet providers like Google to answer for effectively promoting uh, unnecessary expense for families traveling abroad. Thanks, great stuff. Thanks so much for taking the call, Owen. Have a great day today. And you, uh, uh, you okay, too. It's okay. Not the greatest line, but I think we got through it in the end. If you want further details as to what Owen Corey does, you can follow him on Facebook. Uh, he's got uh, at Owen Corey on Twitter, owencorey.com on the website and also on Facebook. Um, Dublin Airport getting somewhat better. Okay, listen, we have 500 euro behind the counter. At least it will be there at the yard at the Castle and Glanmire for you and all of your friends or whomever you want to take. And I want to drill into some of those texts next. The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 0818-104-106. Okay, fast one. Maria, good morning. Good morning. Where did you get caught? Is it Summerhill South? North, is it? Summerhill, no, Summerhill North, yeah. yeah okay, yeah. coming down. Coming down, Summerhill North, yeah. And the sequence of lights seems to be all wrong. I can understand they're doing roadworks there at the minute, changing the new lane, which I hope is going to improve traffic coming from there because the last few weeks has been absolutely chaotic. Like if you were trying to get down from Dillon's Cross, for instance, across yes, the Keys, yes, how yes, long would yes, it take? Yeah, yeah. It depends. And the time of the day. I thought this time of the day would be quieter, but we got so far and then we were stuck for at least 
three changes of lights and if I didn't move and squeeze in between two cars, we'd be stuck there for another another sequence of lights. And imagine, my, you make an interesting point, what it'll be like next week when schools are back and what have you. I, I, I can just imagine what it's going to be like because you have the three lanes coming off the Curtin Street now going into two lanes because the other lane that used to be the third lane for taking you to the city centre, whatever, is now the one that's going to go up Summerhill. What's going to happen in Summerhill? Because I'm not aware of it. Is well, it two well, lanes? Well, you see, coming down from Summerhill, you still have the two lanes going to the city. Yeah. And you're crossing them between the leisure plex over towards the bridge. Yeah. Well, the third lane there, which is normally either taking you up the quays or over to take you to the city centre, is the closest lane, the, the, the most right-hand lane. That's now come up Summerhill, bringing the traffic. Oh. Which means that the lanes of traffic coming from a curtain street are building up into that lane, and then you have the traffic coming down. And if they're not going to get the sequence of lights right there, it's going to be absolutely chaotic. God almighty. Sounds interesting. Well, I'll see what happens next week. I wish I had more time on this, but thanks for the update on it, Maria. At least three, maybe four sets of lights before you get through it all. You just need to be prepared for the wait. 500 euro then behind the bar at the castle in Glanmire. I'd love to win the voucher. We live in Mayfield. We're close to Glanmire. You might remember my husband and I. We got married in 2021 and had a car boot reception. We still haven't had a get-together with family or had a honeymoon, so we'd love to get the family together and another excuse to wear my wedding dress, says Heather. I do remember remember chatting you chatting with you on you on the air you got married and then the two of you opened the car boot and out came uh, some little nibbles and a bottle of uh, champagne i believe we were meant to get married in july 2020 and sure we kept putting it off so we did it and congratulations you look absolutely stunning in the wedding dress but what are you doing getting out the boot of the car <laughs> my mother-in-law set up a little reception for us in the boot with cupcakes and champagne that was what we did afterwards. So your reception was out of the boot of the car? Yeah, outside the <laughs> register office. <laughs> See how people adapted during COVID. I'd love the 500 euro voucher for my partner on my five month. My five month old's passport hasn't come through. We were meant to fly away on a family holiday on the 4th of May. There were 20 of the family going, including two of our other kids. But we can't get through to the passport office. Anxiety through the roof. So I would give it to my husband as my partner as he has decided to stay behind with our baby when the rest of us leave. <laughs> so you put 500 behind the bar for him. I'd love, I'd love to use the voucher for my brother's 50 and also to celebrate my 40th because we couldn't celebrate last year. I'd love to give the voucher to my husband as a thank you for looking after me when I broke my leg eight months ago. We'd gone to Portugal. We were celebrating our 50th birthdays was our 25th wedding anniversary. On day three of the holiday, we rented bikes, were cycling along the cycle lane when someone stepped off the pavement in front of me, resulting in a compound fracture of my tibia and fibula. I've had two surgeries and one more to come. My husband has done everything for me, kept me fed, done all the housework, taken me to hospital appointments, all while working full-time. He wants nothing in return and he'll be mortified that I'm posting this, but I'd like to thank him for all he did. He's Adrian Hickey in Cove from his wife. I'd love to win the 500 for my little girl's christening. COVID affected our planning. Another one, my grand-nephew, Ollie, is being christened in the castle in Glanmire, or at least down in the area. The Mass is this Saturday, and we're all booked to go to the castle after the ceremony. So it'd be great to have the 500, says his grand-aunt Elaine. I'd love the voucher. I got engaged at Christmas. I had a baby earlier this year, and we would love to celebrate, says Sarah Manning and Carrick Tool. We got married, and uh, we were getting married, I should say, postponed three times. 
This time, it's going to happen. We're so excited. It's been a hard two years. We'd celebrate with the 500. Uh, we'd have a joint celebration for my mum, Noreen's 60th, which is in May, and my 40th, which was in March. Both myself and my mum would love to celebrate life and enjoy a good party. Uh, one or two more. I treat my family, my mum and her two brothers, uh, because we've just put their mum in a nursing home uh, after years of caring for her, and I'm just proud of them for what they've done for their mum. All of the family deserve this. We rarely get together. It would be a perfect opportunity. Uh, the 500 behind the bar in the castle. We recently lost a good person in our life, as usual. All of us met up at the funeral and promised each other we would meet up again soon for a good night. It's something we always say at sad occasions, but rarely follow through. So this would be a lovely opportunity for us to get together and to celebrate together. Uh, I would love to spend it as a surprise 40th for my aunt coming home from Australia in August. She hasn't been home in six years. Another one to celebrate our Ruby anniversary and uh, my beautiful daughter missed out on our 16th and 17th birthdays due to lockdown. lockdown. I turned 50 in December uh, and my mam didn't celebrate her 80th. So you see where this is going. Finally, we lost my beautiful sister-in-law in May and she never got the beautiful send-off she truly re- deserves. So... To go to the castle and be all together with my nearest and dearest to celebrate missed birthdays and celebrate the life of someone we love so much and missed would be absolutely terrific. That's a selection of texts. We'll have more of those tomorrow and we'll pick a winner. So 500 euro to spend on food and drink at the yard at the castle in Glanmire. Text or WhatsApp 0868 104 106. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.